Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C-Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 97 of Beer Nuts, the podcast adjunct series this evening. This is a brewery I've been wanting to have on for, I want to say, basically since we began, because I think that's around where they started. Um, this is, uh, yeah, I feel like it's a long time coming, and it's probably a really good time for it since, you know, the, their business has uh, changed a lot since we first uh, discovered their brews. So, guys, I'm going to bring them in right now. Please welcome Matt and Ryan. From Collective Arts Boys. Hey, yeah. <laughs> How you fellas doing? Thank you for hanging out, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks thank for you for having us on. Appreciate it. Like I said, definitely a long time coming. I've been a fan for many years. Uh, I'm really excited to get the the full story because you guys are doing some uh, really unique stuff in the way that you know both you approach the the products that you're making and the the business itself. So uh, I'm really uh, I'm really keen to get the story. So first things first. Let's get a beer. So we are starting Sweet. with this bad boy right here. That's a sick old Frenchie right there. Rhythm Bone, check pills in the bottle. Tell us about this one. Um, yeah, this one's actually one of our beers that's coming out of our uh, new Toronto brew pub. Uh, so this one's actually an inspiration of uh, Jeff, our head brewer there. Uh, he's a really uh, dedicated lager man. So uh, okay. This was his take at a, a Czech 12, 12 uh, Play-Doh. Uh, so classic Czech Pilsner, um, Czech malts, uh, classic uh, Czech Zaws for hopping, uh, that classic bitterness uh, with, it, with the Zaws aromatic. So it's just a, his take at a classic Czech Pils. Love so, it. And then the art and naming, I don't know. I think it might have been a, one of Bob's. Get high on Friday afternoon names, but <laughs> hey, man, I'm here I for don't it. I know where that one came from, but has it got something to do with the the French bulldog on the side there? It might have to, yeah. Might, <laughs> don't know. might indeed. Um, this is sick, man. It looks great. Nice. Uh, I've had it in the fridge for so it's like nice and firming up. Uh, what's the word? Not firming the uh, the side of the glass, but it's super crystal clear. Wicked head. Uh, it smells amazing. Cheers, fellas. Cheers. Cheers. Love I had it. to dip into, uh, we, we were completely sold out. By the time we had given it, sent it to you, we had sold out of it all from that batch. So oh, I had no. to dip into like, our retains from an older batch. So ours is not quite <laughs> as fresh. As <laughs> I, I apologize. Because this is, this is fantastic. No, no, it, it Look at that my head. fault, I Oh, it's so good, bro. Sure. We did organize this a little while ago. I know you got stuck in Europe, which we definitely got to talk about. But this this head, I didn't even mean to do it. Um, I've been yeah. drinking a few. I had a few Lucas recently, and this has given me, without even trying, the similar type of uh, result here. It's amazing. Yeah. Jeff does a double decoction on it, so it's ah. pretty classic that way. So doing all the classic Czech brewing techniques. I love it. Um as far as the, I mean, we're going to get into like the Toronto brewery and everything. So this particular, like you guys do a bunch of small batch stuff from that brewery and, and obviously ends up in these bottles as opposed to the more maybe larger scale production cans and stuff. Yeah. 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 The, the, the reason behind the bottles is actually just uh, the limitations of our, our space. It's quite a mm -hmm. small little brewery if people have been. Um, 
obviously with COVID, not a lot of people have been able to come by, but uh, we have to package all our beer in, the, in a basement. We have to go down a steep flight of stairs and it, it means we can't really can feasibly. Right. So bottling is the only real option and kegging obviously, but uh, so that's why it's bottles in our Toronto beer, which it works out because they're small batch and bottles kind of nowadays almost represent small batch in a lot of ways for a lot of people. Definitely. Uh, partic- yeah, you're right, actually. When, you, when I saw it was in bottles, like, interesting. And I wasn't sure particularly why, but it makes sense. I have been out there. I, I went to that space when it was the space before that, too. And it was yeah. super tight down there. So it's... Uh, yeah, so that's <clears throat> the yeah. reason behind the bottles. Mm. So it works out. No, um, man. It's great. This is, this is fantastic. This is a really, really... Uh, I really like the... I feel like you guys are really well known for the larger produced stuff. So to have the smaller batch stuff from the, from the new Toronto spot and something this fire uh, is, is fantastic. And particularly a beer like this is pretty, you know, it's not, not the simplest thing in the world to make, you know, it's really, cool. yeah. We, yeah. Um, when we, um, when we took the space over, we put in a bunch of more fermenters to increase our capacity, a lot of it, because we wanted to do more logging. So having more fermenters mean we could keep the beer in the tanks longer. So that was kind of one of the one of the reasons why we expanded our capacity when we moved in. Love it, super smart, it's beautiful. So uh, this is great. Um, now let's get into the the beer histories. I don't know whoever wants to start, or Matt or Ryan, like you know how you guys both just, you know discovered beer and how that then you know led to I guess Matt from your side, you know, yeah, like Ryan to working in the industry and then you know Matt for yourself for for creating this. So. Go for it, Ryan. I don't know who's been in the industry longer, me or you. Um, I uh, I think I date back to 2006. I got into the beer industry. Um, I was doing a master's in molecular biology, which is what I went to school for, and then decided that it was kind of going to be a, too boring for me in a way. So I, and I always had a passion for beer ever way back before I legally should have. Um, I was homebrewing in the 90s back when I was like 16. So uh, it was mostly a way to get around and have cheap beer. That was that was the primary reason for it. But, uh, but yeah, so it's been a lifelong passion. And then I moved into the beer industry. I uh, got a job at Molson, out of the blue kind of thing. Um, uh, they called me at a Blue Jays game when I was sitting up in the fifth deck. <laughs> randomly one day and I was like, yeah, I'll come in for an interview. <laughs> I'm not even sure where they got my resume, to be honest. Um, <laughs> worked there for like a contract. It was cool to see a big brewery, but I knew I, my heart was into craft brewing. So I, I, uh, after that is when I uh, joined Nickelbrook <clears throat> and then I was uh, with uh, John and Peter at Nickelbrook for a long time. That's where Matt and Bob uh, met them and met me. And that's how where uh, collective arts was kind of born. So I can I can yeah. kind of speak towards the origins of collective arts. Yeah, wicked. Yeah, Matt, good for it. So over, over to me. Uh, yeah, I've been in. The, I think I beat you, Ryan. I I think I'm uh, somewhere two thousand two thousand or somewhere right right around the millennium. Oh, gee. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm at least 20 years in now. Um, I actually started, I was, uh, you know, for me, same as Ryan, passion for beer. I collected, you know, coasters from breweries and bottles from breweries all around the world uh, prior to being able to, uh, you know, 
you know, legally drink as well. Um, you know, home brewed all through uh, university. And uh, then I was working uh, at Tim Hortons. And then I, I moved, I actually uh, moved out east and started working at Moosehead Breweries. Cool. So that was where I cut my teeth in the in the beer industry. Uh, I was with them for 10 years. And, what were you doing uh, now? You know, what's that? What were you doing? What sort of work in the brewery? Uh, sales and marketing and and innovation stuff. And cool. um, realized I was start, you know, I was at the stage of, you know, probably being a bad employee. I had I had a lot of opinions. <laughs> so uh, it, it was my opinions were, were loud enough that it was time for me to you know bring those to life and um, and so want to start my own thing. I actually Bob, who's who's our partner, um, I was doing work with him. Bob's a brilliant uh, you know designer, and uh, I let him know I was planning to go go on my own, do my own thing. I asked him if he was if he was interested. He was crazy enough to say yes. Uh, and then we sat down and looked at, okay, great. You know, we don't want to call it Matt and, Matt and Bob's Brewery. So, uh, you know, what do we stand for? What's our purpose? What do we want to bring to life? And, um, and you know, our, our, our love of all creative uh, really, you know, flourished that it was not just from, you know, inside about the beers, but it was out, you know, pouring outside to, featuring artists and, and be ever changing. And so the kind of idea sparked that was in 2011. And then it took us two years to get to the stage of being able to actually pour our first pint of beer, um, which was actually, you know, first beer was brewed with Nickelbrook. Um, we contract brewed cause you know, there was, there was no money in the pockets. And, um, and then we actually went through a phase where we built a brewery together with Nickelbrook. And then uh, eventually we took over that brewery as, uh, which is our, our home in, in Hamilton. Amazing. And so 2013 was the real genesis of it. So. Yeah. September 2013 at the Gladstone hotel in Toronto, we poured our first pint Ooh, of beer. That's great. And I remember prior, prior to that, we didn't know, mm. um, we didn't know whether people would understand what we're all about. That We wanted to put artists in front and we didn't want to be about, you know, big beer label out front whether everyone understand it and the fact that the art was always changing when they find a beer. And, um, we took, you know, we took a leap of faith. I had someone call it my art student project. Said, well, when your art student project fails, we have a job for you. And, uh, and so that, you know, that day was great, a great feeling because people walked in and they go, Oh, I, I get it. And I, and I love it. So it was a nice feeling that not only did they love the beer, but they loved the whole ecosystem that we had built. Cool. What was the first beer that you guys uh, did? Do you remember? Uh, it was uh, Rhyme and Reason, our extra pale ale. Okay. And that was brew. You personally did that, Ryan, as the when you were at Nickelbrook? Yep. So yeah, we technically, brewed it at uh, the Burlington okay. Brewery. And, uh, yeah. So you've been involved um, from the very beginning then, essentially. Yeah. Uh, didn't Obviously, Matt and Bob founded the company, but I've been there. Like there's four or five of us that were there pre day one, I guess. That's sick. Yeah. That's pretty rare. Yeah, right? we had two beers. We we had two beers. We had rhyme and reason and scene of circumstance. Uh, Rhymes a delicious extra pale mm -hmm. ale, and uh, Saint is a citrus blonde. So we actually add fresh citrus zest, 
And in the original days, it was us either at the brewery or at home in your kitchen. You know, we, we found these things called the zip zesters. Okay. <laughs> and you put a piece of fruit on it and you'd, you'd have to crank the zest off it. And, uh, you know, eventually, I think it was Ryan found a uh, fresh pressed juice company that um, was willing to zest for us before they pressed their juice. And so it saved some of our carpal tunnel syndrome. But uh, those are our first two beers. That's sick. And now, now we're well over, I don't know how many, Ryan, 200 and some beers. Yeah, I thought it was beer. <laughs> yeah, it has to be. Okay, so that was back in 2013. When did you guys, um, I guess, when did the, I imagine most of the, who the company is was kind of created uh, in the time after you, you maybe took over the Hamilton spot alone. Is that accurate, would you say? Uh, well, the idea of sort of fusing uh, the creativity of craft with, Emerge, you know, emerging artists from around the world. That that idea, you know, is back from 2011. Uh, and when we first started, we were, you know, a couple beers and bottles only. Okay. Um, and and that a lot of it was because we we're contract producing, and so you can you can only beg, borrow, and steal so much uh, production. <laughs> and uh, and so the brewery in Hamilton, which is an old site uh, where Lakeport. So, uh, uh, you know, Brewer was there. Labatt had bought them with the sole intention of shutting, shutting them down. And so Hamilton had been without a brewery uh, since it's good, quite, uh, somewhere 2008, maybe, somewhere around there. Um, so, and they had taken previously a lot of pride in having a, having a brewery there. So we actually uh, took over that space. There was no equipment to use. It was, they had, sold all the equipment for scrap. They had put concrete in the drains. They had done everything they could to try and limit someone's ability to make a brewery there. Wow. And uh, so you, and, and it was a deserted old building. And so you had to have a lot of vision of, you know, uh, what you wanted to create, but there was a, uh, it, it, the, where our breweries located is the border between sort of the manufacturing industrial side of the city and the downtown creative Renaissance. So, it fits collective arts really well that we are a manufacturer, but we're also a, a, you know, a creative hub. And so it just felt like a, a perfect space. And, and um, there was a brewery on the East coast of Canada that was, um, it was actually an old Sleeman brewery um, that was up for auction. And we auctioned on that and we were able to get the equipment. And I think it was 40 tractor trailer loads later, we have a bunch of equipment and we have to figure out how to put it together in Hamilton. And, uh, um, you know, started with an old bottle line, eventually found a way to get a can line in there and, and then just, uh, you know, have kept playing ever since with different beers and, and obviously different artists. That's awesome. Man. I do remember when you guys first came out at the LCBOs, you were doing, it was Ryman, same circumstance, they were both in six packs in bottles. And yeah. that was, I imagine, was that around the time you were still contracting or was that from, from this yeah. Both, yeah. Both? Okay. Yeah. I distinctly remember being always really annoyed because the way I do the, the, you know, the selfie thing, like that was to try and like, capture as many beers as you could and you know, I number them. I, this will be one of these ones will be number 7,000. So I just kept going 
So like, I never really want six of anything. So I was like, man, I want to try these beers so bad. But I was so, and so I remember distinctly when you started uh, dropping the singles and I was like, yes, give me a more. It was, uh, but I understand the restrictions behind that and probably buying patterns were different back then, I imagine. Yeah, yeah and also it was just equipment. Sorry, go ahead, Ryan. Yeah. I was going to say it's in that, it was in that phase where bottles and cans were transitioning. So, yeah. It makes sense. And it was, you know, as the equipment we had, we had to work with it. And at the time, it was great because the labels, we found a way so that you could uh, also do as many different pieces of art on the same beer. So we, the mm. first series, we had 93 different pieces of art all on rhyme and reason. So you almost never, it was almost impossible to have a six pack with a different piece of art. So we, at the time thought that was really cool. Now that we have different, so many different beers, we can spread that out across different, uh, the different beers. Okay. Um, to, to touch on that a bit more. So like what, when you guys started it, what was the, like, how did you envision like incorporating the artist or what was the, maybe more intention now. I mean, obviously, you know, if people have seen your beer, you've, you're always featuring some sort of uh, piece of art on the beers, but um, yeah, they want to maybe speak to where the idea came from and sort of how that sort of led to the way it's executed. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. For us uh, again, you know, Bob and I sat down and said, okay, what, what gets us up every day and the, the love of beer and, 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 and creating, new and different products is, is, you know, gets us up every day, but we just love all things creative craft beer is all about creativity and, and discovery. And so how do you go one step further and knowing, you know, Bob and I both were artists and musicians and knowing that it's really hard to be seen or heard and, but they inspire us. And so how do you not put the same old boring label on the front every time? And how do you, take that creativity from inside and pour it out. And so, you know, I, I remember saying to Bob, you know, what if we, what, what, what if we have ever changing art and, you know, reflect the times and, and then he built on that of, okay, well, what if we actually do a call for art and work with artists and pay those artists and feature them and bring it to life. And it was a Eureka moment for us because it just brought that creativity you know, to the level that we wanted to and, and gets you up every day excited to, to uh, you know, be inspired by all the different creatives we work with. That's dope, man. And like you said, the music too. I know you do a lot of music and, uh, and art pairing, like the series every year where musicians and artists will, will submit stuff. And like, so it's, it's yep. really like this own ecosystem that's completely separate to the beer, but it's so ingrained in it. And it's probably, now I think of it, uh, done a bit of uh, really good legwork for the industry because I would imagine that some of these artists who are submitting, when I say artists, music or visual, may have been introduced to craft beer because of this. So therefore, you're growing the industry for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. highly, highly likely. Yeah, it's you know the we started again 2013 craft. There was you know quite a there was a quite a number of OG craft brewers have been around, but the explosion really happened, you know, really since that time. And it's, and uh, so, yeah, a lot of those artists I'm sure would have been introduced through what, through what we were doing and, and, and uh, the whole momentum of the industry. Yeah. Love it. 
So the R stuff is cool. I'm sure we'll keep sort of bouncing off that. But then the beer itself, and this is kind of for both you guys, like when you started, I imagine then from Matt's, from your side, you and Bob would have been like, all right, we're going to make these type of beers. This is really what we're about. And then when it came to, I imagine, you know, bringing it to, to Nickelbrook initially, Ryan would have potentially contributed to that. And then that would have obviously expanded uh, even more so once you got your own facility. Like how did that sort of look? Well, yeah, the- I mean, I have a... Sorry, like I kind of have a good story of like when I first met Matt and Bob. Cause there, I mean, back then there was like always random people coming into Nickelbrook being like, hey, hey, I'm gonna start my own brewery or start my own beer band. And like we'd give them the time of day and be like, okay, cool. But you can kind of tell they don't really know what they're talking about or like have a real plan. They're just like, oh, it'd be cool to have a brewery or something. It was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but then when Matt and Bob came in, I was like, okay, these guys are actually have industry background and they're like, and I was like, okay, what beer do you want to make? And Bob's like, I want to make, oh shit. What, what was the beer from Hill Hill Farmstead that he wanted to make? I want to make whatever. It was like an extra pale ale. That was Edward. The, was it Edward? Yeah, it might probably was yeah, Edward maybe. actually. Yeah, so he was like, I want to make Edward or something close to Edward. I'm like, okay, you know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Bob well, like, lives in Vermont, honestly, so he the, yeah. For rhyme and reason, I had a you know, because it's anxiety, right? Your first beer, yeah. What do you what do you want it to be? And I I I had kept a little scorecard of over a hundred different beers I had all tried, knowing that it wanted to be somewhere in that pale to IPA space. Um, you know, the taste buds in, in Canada really, like when we came out with an extra pale ale, it had way more hops than most of the IPAs or even double IPAs that were out there. It was, you know, so much bigger and, and bolder. And so, uh, but we wanted to have something that was, you know, approachable, but, but, but big. And, and Ryan really hit it out of the park. Let's see. Did you input in that at all, Ryan? Like did, who wrote the recipe? Did you do that? Or what? Oh, you- no, it was, I made the recipe completely. Okay. It was just, they, they, the inspiration was Edward. They're like, we want to make something like Edward. And I'm like, okay, you know what you're talking about. Cause that's like, especially back then, Hill was seen as this like God of a brewery or whatever, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> um, still is. The fact that that was the inspiration. So that's where I kind of, obviously it's not the same beer, but it was kind of the inspiration behind it. Right. Um, it's kind of funny because back then, like everything was pretty much all West Coast kind of styles, and they've <laughs> they all went out of fashion. And rhyme and reason is kind of like we still make it, but it's it's we rarely make it. Like we don't sell it at the LCBO anymore. It's like it's kind of funny how times change. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of swinging back a little bit towards those styles these days. It is, it is, and our like our best selling beer is still our West Coast IPA ransack like so it's never you consider that West Coast, eh? yeah interesting i haven't had it for a while but it was always i remember the very first night distinctly having it and losing my shit in 2050 and how fire that beer was and i don't like i remember it being like it's almost like it's the new wave of west coast before the new wave came up because it wasn't i mean i've got one i'll, I'll have to try it again but it was like fruity and tropical while it's probably retaining that maybe piney bitterness, but it wasn't, you know what I'm saying with the newer ones? That these yeah. Guys? Well, I never hopped it. Like I never really did any of the West coast or, or still do like a 
traditional West Coast. I never did that. Gotcha. That's where you were. I was more aiming for the flavor impact of the hops and not that bitterness and malty kind of backbone that the traditional West Coast had. So, yeah, I think I think a lot of the new school West Coasts are done that way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we were doing that back. I guess it's seven or eight years ago now or whatever it's been. But. Yeah, yeah, definitely been a while. Okay, interesting. Because I remember seeing, I think when TK mentioned, she was like, oh, like, yeah, ransack our West Coast. I'm like, West Coast? Like, I just never in my head even thought that's what it was. But, like, definitely a game changer of a beer. So then when, in the early days then, I mean, obviously you came in with, you know, Matt wanted the, the, the pale ale. How did you, you know, how did you land on what the same of circumstance became? And then how did you sort of, progress from there like when you started did you did you and bob matt did you guys have like uh all right we're gonna do i mean this is 2011 when you first started so i wouldn't have maybe would have been a little more I'm about to use the word generic but that's not what i mean but more like a you know the typical color wheel a blonde an amber uh a, a, a porter a stout you know that type of shit um did you guys have something in mind and then did that change when you connected with ryan who would be like well how about this like how did that all come together yeah, I I think it became like obviously um, it became pretty intuitive. Like we still not much different today. Like Ryan has a lot of a lot of you know big ideas of where he wants to take it, and the rest of us have lots of opinions that sometimes he likes and sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> um, but uh, no, we're we're pretty collaborative and, uh, and and just love to shoot the shit over a beer and 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 talk about you know the the next one and so um there's now obviously more of us and um you know and ryan has you know jeff and uh and carl in uh in toronto and uh they're having a lot of fun and i know a lot of recipes are coming from ryan but there's a lot of great ideas you know coming from them as well and just so it's just it's it's that fun creative energy of of what you know where where do we want to go from here and it's been that being that way from the beginning. I think I recall when we made the Saint though, it was kind of like a whole oh shit moment. This is actually happening and we need a second beer. <laughs> and Same. we're like, okay, we want yeah. to make oh, something. We need, we need something for for those who are not ready for how much you know all the hops we're yeah. putting in there. Cause you know, it's pretty hard to go and you know walk into a bar and you have one beer to sell. And if that buyer doesn't want your one beer, where, where are you going from there? So yeah, we wanted to do something that's more approachable, but also unique. And right. so that's where, I don't know who came up with the citrus zest. I assume it's you, Ryan, but uh, you made it as difficult as possible as always. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember exactly. We can talk about the coconut beer and how much coconut he likes to shove, shove in, uh, um, Let's talk in, about in that. Tank, so, yeah. What's the coconut beer? As long as, yeah. as, long as I'm not the one. Pretty well broke. We're, we're not doing it again. He pretty well broke the brew house. So. <laughs> I, I don't know. No, I, I wasn't there to judge whether they were. Uh, it might not have. There might have been some user error there too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of breweries uh, end up having coconut stories. That I'm, that I'm hearing about. Yeah, it's, it's a nightmare. It's an interesting, interesting yeah. ingredient. That's um, super great. Okay, sick. So, I mean, you had those two. I remember early on, I'm pretty sure there was a porter, like, early on as well. 
Um, I'm trying to remember some of the yes. early ones. Picture the bottles. Stranger Than Fiction. Yes, that was the point. Okay. Yeah, and we still make Stranger today. Um, you know, it's won a World yeah. Beer Cup Award. Yeah. Um, it's as delicious as always. That was a arm wrestle between Ryan and I. I've, I just didn't want anything too sweet. And so he made a really nice, uh, well-balanced porter that, um, you know, is, is, you know, lots of great sort of roasted and chocolate notes, but, you know, nothing too, too sweet. So um, I think that was a third beer. Ransack, our West Coast IPA we talked about, was I think the fourth. Can't remember the order and, of those two. And then I lose track after that. It starts going nuts. Are they yeah. to to date now? Do you have what you know, like anything you consider flagships? To be a ransack and the life in the clouds. They're okay, close to neck and neck in how much volume. I think it just depends on the the regions. One some one's popular might be more popular in one region, and then the other one's more popular I, somewhere. I'd say jam up, <clears throat> jam up oh, the yeah. mash is up there as well. Yeah, uh, you know we we've I think become fairly well known for our, our sours, and that's our our I'd say our flagship sour. That one is okay. The guava goza, which is phenomenal, um, is that also that was a th I remember the first time I had that too. Someone who was watching the podcast or whatever messaged me. It's like, yo, you need to try this. I'm like, that was back when it was short cans. And it was small batch. So he, he lived in the area. So he sent me someone like, Jesus Christ, this is insane. Like, that was such a, a great beer. And I feel like now the new, you know, you got him in the Tall Boys, and it seems like that's become a more regular or year round beer. Is that true? Yeah, it's a year round beer. Hell yeah. Is that just because yeah. the popularity, like these people loved it? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it does, does really well year round. Um, and uh, and we sell in some warmer markets, and uh, so it it's, it's a, in the number one beer for for us, really neck and neck with our IPAs and some of the warmer markets as well. And you know, guava is a funny story. That was our first, I think that was our first first fruited sour, Ryan. And we were playing with all different styles where we'd go i i have some roots for from uh, a lot of my families from the bahamas and i had always loved guava but really you know guava is not a common uh fruit for people to try here and so love that sort of sweetness balance balance with the you know the saltiness of the goza and so um i i know i kept putting my name in the hat that that was that would be our first uh our, our first fruited sour perfect that um the the puree I mean I I don't even know if I've even had I guess I've had guava at some point but the, that guava puree is just money I imagine that's yeah we yeah uh, so good we've we actually did we've done a lot of trialing different purees because we would notice the quality would fluctuate so we got to the point where we found the supplier we like from a certain region in Brazil and we made that supplier make sure they would give us that Brazilian crop every year. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. Because when we first were doing it, we noticed some fluctuations and we're like, oh crap, where did the pink go or something? Because sometimes the pink would get washed out and you're like, well, this really needs to be pink or yeah. taste properly. So, um, so we, yeah, we really 
fine-tuned where we got the, the guava from, so we're hmm. quite particular on that. Well, that's fair enough. God damn it. Yeah, you need to. I never really thought about that. Like, I Because I always heard with the purees, it's kind of like a, you know, obviously a mix-up of, of different things, so it can fluctuate, but I thought that the point of, rather than having it from one place or one batch, is that the, the whatever it is, the companies that make, isn't there one in Oregon that everyone uses or something? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Oregon, Oregon fruit is a, Probably the the best and the most best. consistent fruit supplier okay. uh, out there. Um, this one, our, we get our guava from a different supplier, but yeah, Oregon's the most consistent fruit supplier out there. I would say okay. for most brewers. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I love that attention to detail with that, particularly with that with that particular beer. Um, okay, so then it, I guess it just kind of organically grew uh, whilst you were in that sort of early uh, stages as far as the contracting and then the uh, the Hamilton facility uh, or the joint facility, sorry, before it led to your, your own one. Um, and as I guess from there you sort of, there was no, it feels like with you guys there's no real boundaries. If someone asked me to describe what you guys do, I don't think I'd be able to just, they do everything. Is that is that how you guys feel? <laughs> Um, we're like, yeah, we, yeah, like we, we, we didn't, we didn't grow, we didn't grow up to be, you know, want to be, you know, Hamilton's brewery or an Ontario brewery. We just wanted to have a lot of fun with what we created and, and, um, and serve play. And that's what we've done with the beers we've made, but also going into different markets and, and doing all the different collabs we do. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah, your collab. Well, I guess we'll get into one of those uh, towards the end. But the collabs you guys have done, there's a whole bunch of things that you guys have been doing really fantastic uh, that we're really going to get into. But do you want to, uh, you guys want to do the the next one? Sure. Yeah, we can do Good Monster good or Monster. Daily Sportcast. It really doesn't matter. We'll do Good Monster, yeah. Perfect. So this, if I'm not mistaken, is a double IPA? Yeah. Yep. Double IPA. Um we released it last year as a as a new core beer. Okay. Oh, it's a core beer. So it's a it is core beer now. Yeah. Uh, so it's our we have a we have a West Coast double imperial IPA that's a core beer as well. It's just not as often available in uh, Ontario, but it's it's actually one of the best selling beers in Sweden. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, that beer has been out for a long time called Radio the Mothership, but yes. this was kind of our New England IPA uh, partner to that one. So, um, but yeah, this one, I mean, nothing really super special about it per se, um, other than just using a lot of good hops and <laughs> yeah. uh, trying to make it drinkable and keeping it fresh and doing all those fun, good IPA brewery things. <laughs> I love it. I feel like you guys have really leaned into the uh, the haze. Being you mentioned life in the clouds earlier, I think that was definitely one of the first. You know, in the at least in the very early wave in Ontario, uh, obviously and beyond, but specifically Ontario. Um, and you kept them going. There's another. Is the radio? The, there's another series. Um, surround sound. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, this was kind of an evolution out of surround sound. So surround sound was kind of this double IPA series that we wanted to rotate the hops and just make new interesting beers it was well received but it was kind of i mean mac had 
explain these better, but it was a little problematic for the sales team <laughs> because okay. it would always be changing all the time. And then it was just ended up being a little bit more of a hassle than anything. So that's why we decided to go with like a, a permanent. Uh, permanent one. Yeah. Makes sense. I can imagine they, uh, they'd be better for the small batch. Do you always make the same face or do you change your face up every time for your selfies? I used to change them and then I, I couldn't even tell, what is it, 2022? I started it in 2011. So earlier on, I started doing that face because I'm like, I don't know about you boys, but if someone's like, smile for a, I can't smile on command. Yeah. And I don't know what to yeah. do. Like, I don't even like doing this. It's, it's become such a habit that this is 6,999. So like, this is like, oh. it's such a <laughs> stupid habit that I was like, okay. And I started doing it. And then whenever I didn't do it, people would comment and just be like, yo, why aren't you doing that? I'm like, oh, okay. So then it's just become the thing. You didn't, like, I, you didn't like the beer? make the same face yeah. that, I used to do that if I didn't like it I would do a different face um, this time I keep <laughs> looking poker face uh, yeah gonna have to read the review type of thing <laughs> I know it's so ridiculous and I feel like an idiot but it's, it's been so many now at this point it's uh, my jaw is uh, locked in place um, now that makes complete sense so the, the, the rotating hops one do you ever I guess this has comp- uh, replaced it but did you ever have those in like the small batch side of things or would that, did that get phased out before you guys were really doing more of the small, uh, batch yeah, stuff? it was pre Toronto days. So gotcha. yeah, so we had to do them in our scale. So 50 hectoliter batches for a double, double gotcha. IPA. So that's pretty, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we kind of went backwards. We, we started with a, a bigger brew kit, and now we finally have the smaller brew kit. <laughs> um, so that, yeah, you know, that had a lot of challenges. That any 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 one off, you need to really nail it. Uh, yeah, and yeah, true. Because uh, yeah, it was not small. Everyone now, now asked me. Yeah. yeah, everyone asked me like, how big is your like what'd you do for a trial size? And I'm like, well, we brewed 60 hex. Like that was our trial. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is insane. Yeah. yeah I insane. mean, so, I mean, we didn't have to dump, I don't think we dumped too many batches of anything, but you get good at at least kind there, of knowing how there, there was one batch. Out. There was one collab. Do you remember that? Uh, with, with Cactus. Yeah, we used seaweed, and the seaweed really threw it off. So we were like, well, <laughs> that's going to go. Can't yeah, say that. One. So it was seaweed, seaweed, a seaweed sour. And yeah, it was a goso, it was, like with seaweed, but the seaweed didn't really take like we were expecting. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so, that's the only yeah. beer we, you, yeah. It's a pretty good record, Ryan. I think that's the only first batch that you ever had to uh, call it a day on. <laughs> Yeah, we can usually salvage something. <laughs> right? And nothing, uh, yes, almost sir. nothing. Pops can Yes. And we do our IPA series. So we are, I think we're at number 22 21. right now. Yes. Oh, yeah, 21 right now. So we, we do that whole series. Um, and because we are playing and doing that all the time, it just made sense to have a, a you know, a everyday New England IP, uh, double. And so that's where Good Monster came from. Okay. And this particular one has Mosaic, Citra, Simcoe, and Amarillo. Is that accurate? That is accurate. Look at that. Uh, <laughs> untapped, never let you down. Um, <laughs> and this one, so it's, it's, you know, it's nice and hazy. I'm getting it's like nice and smooth. 
I've got a bit of that dryness in there, but it does not taste um, 8%. Like this is kind of really, really drinkable. Which I imagine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously we want to keep it drinkable. It's always been a battle. I mean, I don't know. The way we brew and at our scale, hop creep is definitely something we're really cognizant of. Uh, and we're always trying to kind of like find out a new best way to use hop. Like we have to, you know, what's going to happen. So you're trying to <laughs> get the beer into a good place. So we're always doing new methods and like trying to keep the body in there as much as possible, but making sure that the hop creep happens. So we don't have accidents or anything or refermentations right. or diacetyl in the cans. So it's kind of, it's been a, a years long battle with a uh, hop creep, I would say. <laughs> so it's uh but we've been doing a lot of cool things on our team uh, with a lot of the different things that we've found with hop creep that I think have been unique. Uh, and then I've been sharing some of those with other breweries, like different flavor characteristics we find. And we're trying to develop new dry hopping techniques to hopefully speed up the process of the hop creep and keep as much body in the beer as possible. So um, it's interesting. I think a lot of it has to do with like how hop growers and the processors are processing their hops. Uh, so it's a, it keeps us on our toes anyway, but uh, we do lots of different trials and we're always trying to fine tune our recipes. I love it. No, this is great. This is like, a, it's great that you guys are, uh, are making sure that you've got like, you know, the year, this is year round, right? I think we said. Yeah. Yeah. So like the year round double, the year round single, I guess, is probably life in the clouds as far as like your haze sort of range that's available everywhere. That's always, uh, you know, like a, a great go-to beer, you know, you know, wherever you are. And then we'll get to that soon about, you know, how wide ranging your uh, reach is. Is really really cool. Um, I had I don't think I I hadn't had tried this until now. Um, yeah, this is this is definitely fantastic. It gives me a lot of that surround sound vibes uh, as far as the, the way that it was made. I imagine it's somewhat similar, but you just locked in yeah. on these four hops. You like let's just run with that. Yeah, yeah, more like which is dope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in, in the best way possible. Yeah, this is great. Um, as far as then the, the haze, I feel like you guys have done a lot of New England IPAs. Uh, maybe some of the smaller batch like. The one I had recently I really liked was the new, um, the the one for the IPA twenty. I don't even know if I had that actually. But the one with Thin Man for the hockey thing, the Winter Classic. What was that called? Yeah, Border uh, Crossing. Yes, that Border was fire. That was fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah, that was like you. You guys are are you making it a sort of a thing to to continue to to drop these. Uh, I guess that was a small batch one, I imagine, or was it like still like it a? Was, it was a. No, okay. It was than that. It was Yeah, it was a two hundred Okay, so big, big boy. Yeah, that was great. I just feel like you guys have got a real consistency with with a style that I imagine is probably a little difficult to brew and keep consistent based on the you know, the quirks of the style, like on such a large scale, which is great. I think it's a testament to, to the team and you guys are, uh, are able to do that. It's fantastic. Yeah, definitely a style a bit challenging with the larger scale. 
um, it definitely ties itself to a smaller group, but um, we, we, like, it is, we have the service that helps us keep our consistency. Uh, I think that's the key to trying to do that that to be really tough. And I don't want to match this right now. I think I kind of are you, are you getting the sound as well, Matt? It's messing up a bit. Yeah, you're, you're cutting out there. It was hilarious to listen to, though, Ryan. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I wish you always sounded like that. <laughs> I was I was just echoing. Um, That's probably why. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, I don't why. Yeah, um, but yeah, we we have like you know you know Ryan. Ryan gets the recognition of, of writing recipes, but he'll be the first to say, like, we have an amazing brew team in Hamilton that just, you know, is, is uh, you know, make sure we hit it every time. And so, you know, they're they're incredible, incredible crew um, that, uh, you know, kind of are just hitting top notch all the time. So it's 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 uh, it's a lot of fun. I love it. It's very, very cool. So I definitely want to touch on the the distribution. I was saying to you guys beforehand, Ryan, can you hear us okay? Or is it echoing still? It's good? I, I was echoing when I was talking. Okay, now it sounds I like you I think you're back in action a bit now. You weren't really okay. doing the – the choppy thing was pretty funny, though. I, I, I could actually – we could <laughs> understand you, but it was entertaining. <laughs> um, the, We're going to subtitle that one section there. <laughs> just have to just – Pop that in. <laughs> um, I don't know. The reach. Okay, so whenever I uh, whenever I travel around the states um, and even back home to Australia, I know that um, one of your former employees, Dan, had connections out there. So whenever I went down, everyone that I met in the beer scene in Melbourne already knew Dan. Um, so it was, it was kind of uh, crazy. Funny brief story. On it was remember specifically. It was March fifteenth, twenty nineteen. I was there. And there was a collab with Mr. West, a bar in Footscray. So I went down there because the, the, the collab, they did a Pavlova Sour, which is my favorite dessert of all time. I'm like, yes, this is great. I'm in Australia for the launch of a collective collab. Let's go. I went there and they were like, oh, no, no, it's the Hamilton launch today. I'm like, fuck. So <laughs> it was nice to go there. They have a good well, bar. It's still a good place to visit, but yeah. yeah. I was a yeah, little. I got hold of it. It was okay. One of your another yeah. Aussie uh, friend of mine used to work there, so he managed to get it for me. His name was Matt too. Matt. Uh, yeah. Well, Josh and Caleb, who yeah. own Mr. West, now yeah. have an importing company. They're bringing up beer into the country. I love what they're doing with that. It's so yeah, cool. They're, yeah. They're keeping. I spoke. Is it Josh? Josh from Mr. West, right? Josh and Caleb. Josh and Caleb, okay. So I met Caleb when I was there and I spoke to Josh because I put him in touch with a few people out here recently that he was trying to bring out. I just love, I'm, I'm like seeing Aussies drink you guys on like Third Moon and Town and all this type of stuff out there. I'm like, man, this is beautiful. Love seeing it. Yeah. We said that we paid them over. Is that good? That makes good. Yeah. <laughs> I want to tell you it's not doing it, but yes, it is doing it. Oh, perfect. Um, I can kind of still understand it though. Um, what you could do, yeah. Ryan, yeah, you could either mute and try and unmute it, or even just like cancel and dial right. back in. I'll let you write back in, and maybe that'll just reset it. It happens. People are used to it. This is how virtual things go. Um, 
Uh, yeah, uh, Josh and Caleb are wicked dudes. They're doing an amazing thing over there, and uh, and so they've been huge. You know, they're they're importing collective there now, and uh, and they've been great friends and and supporters from you know for the last few years. So it's been been wicked. Very cool. How are we looking? Am I better? Yes. There we go. Oh, perfect. <laughs> better than ever. Yeah. I tried so to open this I, with Chrome, but it, my Chrome isn't opening. So I'm on Safari, and Safari is a disaster for video. I find it looks yeah. and sounds basically the same, though. I think we're I think we're pretty good. But at least we know if anything messes up, we can just dial, drop, and come back. Um, but yeah, I like, wish there was a way to just yeah. re- reboot Ryan on a regular day, <laughs> not not just on video calls, just you know. just getting to restarting. I wish I could. If I could just do that every day, it'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. oh, you guys are crazy. So, like, your reach, right? So, like, uh, the way that you've approached it. So, wherever I, you know, I mentioned Australia, I got sidetracked. But, like, whenever I'm in the States, I remember being in Philly. Um, uh, when was that? 2019. Uh, and, and I was meeting a friend, and I went to the, the, the I went to say Depeneur, that's what we call it here. What do you call it? Convenience store. They had a whole beer stuff. You guys were there, and I was stoked. Uh, you know, whenever I go to New York, whenever I go to Vermont, you guys are always there. Uh, what's the deal with the distro? How are you doing it? It's it's phenomenal. Um, and you know, why was that the goal? Uh, versus, like, uh, maybe a lot of breweries tend to try and keep it local, where you guys would essentially doing the opposite. Like you're saying, one of the beers is the best selling, and this beer is the best selling in Sweden, right? No, the uh, no, uh, the radio the motherships uh, one of the best. <laughs> I'm sorry. IPAs. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, Canada. We we like to import brands. Um, we very rarely like to export brands, and right. um, and it's that's like a, that's a challenge accepted moment of you know why does why does it have to be like if you name even just. Go inside a beer. Go to consumer products. What do you What do you have? You have, you know, Lululemon roots. Um, I don't know. I run out pretty quickly of consume Canadian brands that have, have been successful outside, and so we, I think we love the challenge. We also love to travel and hang out with wicked people around the world. So, um, so it just it felt right to us, and we're working with artists from all around the world who always said, "How come I can't get one, get your beer here?" Mm. So it just felt right to us to 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 expand, and we we felt that because our story is a little bit different, we're not you know a brewery from somewhere else. We're a brewery that champions uh, you know creativity, um, and so it's a bit of a different narrative for us, and and. Um, so that that was kind of the impetus for it, and we've been having fun doing it ever since. Although the pandemic kind of takes a bit, of, a bit of takes the fun out and sticks a whole lot of stress in into that. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's been a lot of fun. So we sell uh, east eastern U.S., uh, Europe, a few countries in Asia, uh, occasionally send some beer to Australia. So yeah. Is, and it's doing pretty well. Like it's been a pretty successful venture for you. I, I imagine so, being that you are continuing to to do it and, and grow those markets. Yeah, like COVID yeah, it has. <laughs> as, as I say, during the pandemic, um, you know, it's probably shrunk as a piece of our business, just because 
so many supply chain issues during it and no one knew whether a market to open or close. So why would you get beer from far away? Mm. Um, so it shifted a little bit, but it's, it's about 40%, 30 to 40% of our sales. So it's a good piece of what we do is, bad. is around the world. And, and, um, you know, it's, you know, the U S is the toughest, obviously there's so many breweries and so many great breweries and you have to go through a distributor. So to any distributors, I apologize if, if I said it that way, but it's, um, but you're relying on someone else to care about your brand yeah. and to pay attention and, and to keep, you know, focused on it. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of work. Um, and, um, and, and so that, you know, you have to constantly pay attention to that, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been a ton of fun. We always had great, great games going and launching new markets and, uh, a crew of us would go down there and <clears throat> do, th- you know, do stupid things we probably shouldn't be doing, but, uh, um, you know, we've ha- obviously had to take a break for a couple of years. So we're excited to get back into, uh, you know, socializing again yeah. and seeing all our friends around the world. I love it. Has it resulted in anything, you know, new opportunities for you guys? I, I, you know, say you popped into a market, but you hadn't worked with any breweries there. Maybe collab opportunities came up or doing a one-off market-specific beer or things like that. Has anything kind of come from that at all? Definitely. Like we try to do collaborations. Like that's, that's one we always try to, especially if we're going to new markets. Like we want to obviously the greatest way to be relevant locally is to find like if you're friends with someone from there, it's a great, great way to get your brand recognized and way to like, it's a good excuse to have like a tap takeover or something at a bar. Like it's a great way to do those things. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, we do some art things too that are focused on certain countries. Like we'll dedicate a series of a certain beer for an artist from a certain country to help them promote locally. So we do do things like that to kind of activate different markets, but. Yeah. And obviously our festival, like we couldn't have pulled off our festival. We weren't traveling all over the place. Mm. Um, but yeah, our festival that uh, again has taken a, yeah, a, a pandemic kick in the nuts. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, we'll return in some, some fashion at some point, but um yeah, we we would bring sixty brewers from around the world in, and and uh, which believe me, bringing beer into Canada in small batches is one of the more challenging things to do because it's you know we're we're quite government regulated, so I was a, a feat on its own to figure out how to do all that, and, and um, but yeah, that that ties you right in with us traveling is being able to bring all these great breweries that we've met around the world into into Canada and in, into Hamilton and, and feature well, we them. Single-handedly, we single-handedly yeah. changed the LCBO's rules, right? On Yeah. that's We changed the volume so we could bring in 20-liter kegs for our festival. Like, we literally changed the rules for everyone. <laughs> uh, because really before, sure. it was only – it had to be below 19 liters. It was a – I'm guessing it was a rule set up by the big breweries, knowing that this would be the loophole of getting kind of more one-off beer in the – in the province, but we were like, Hey, look, we want to throw this festival, your stupid rules <laughs> kind of 
stop us from doing it. And they changed the rules so we could bring in 20 liter kegs for like kind of like one-offs for a festival. Amazing. Was that uh, a nightmare to figure out or was it a pretty straightforward once they realized, you know, once, no, yeah, once they, well, <laughs> yeah. you still, you need to do samples for lab and all this stuff. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's not the easiest, but the, you know, they, they, they worked with the rules to help us figure it out and which was, which was awesome. And, um, yeah, we threw a big party on a battleship with all the brewers before the actual festival. So, you know, we miss those days and are excited to get back to those. Yeah. I went to both the uh, 2018 and 19 uh, Liquid Art, both fantastic uh, festivals, which you, do you know what's funny? On Monday was the first time I saw, was it Monday or Tuesday? Maybe it was Tuesday. I saw the, the, the car park for the first time. Like, oh, this is what it looks like. I've only ever been there for the festival. I had no idea that that's what it was. I'm like, oh, that's what the stage is. Okay, I saw that guy make that mural. Okay, so like, I, I, it, it's sick. So it's in. You know, for people who don't know, Liquid Arts was the was the festival you guys did. Uh, like you said, you brought in a bunch of incredible breweries from from all across the world, and it sort of like took over the uh, the parking lot at the the back of the brewery, which is the perfect kind of spot for it. Like just just the right amount of size as well um, for all the different tents and. It was just such a, like, it was super cool because you even had stuff from Australia. You had, you know, all across Europe, obviously all across the States, like anyone who's excited about any any brewery, basically, you, you know, all of them were there. Um, tell us about how that came about. Like, why did you guys want to do a festival? I imagine kind of based on what you were both saying, it was inspired by like, hey, we could just bring all these, all of our friends that would be traveling and seeing, we could bring them for our, our folks back home. Well, kind of like... At least to me, is like we got invited to so many festivals. It's kind of like we owed it to everyone. Like you kind of like everyone takes a hit, and yeah, it's your turn to throw the festival. So it's kind of like, and obviously we knew that we thought we could probably obviously throw a throw a good party because we have all the artist connections and musicians and all that. So yeah, it was a lot of like okay, everyone else throws us great festivals, so it's kind of like our turn. So. Love it. Um, and the, like, the, I guess, have for you guys, it must be pretty convenient to be, a, like, it must be pretty dope to have all of the, you know, your friends. Did a lot of them come out? I imagine they would come out for it. I was just going to talk about the beers that you would go around to drink are all in this one place. It's, it must be pretty cool. And then, but I imagine the people would probably often, not always, because it's probably not possible, but come and hang out. You know, I'd say the vast majority of people, like someone was there. Like, yeah, I don't think too many people didn't didn't come with the beer. So, uh, yeah, if there was sixty brewers, you know, fifty nine of them were were there, and there's usually rolling a couple deep, and it's 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 fun as well. And we try to make our festival as you know, make sure there's like a festival within a festival for the brewers, and, yeah, you know, which is pretty common. Um, yeah, at the different festivals. So as I say, you know, party on a battleship and, and some pre-parties and, and, um, and also tried to make sure our festivals will just a little bit different and bring all that, you know, art and music to life as well. So it yeah. wasn't, it was about creativity oh, yeah. as a whole and all the food trucks and everything and all the food and everything. So it was about creativity as a whole. So it wasn't just about nerding out at the, about the beers, which, which, we love, but we wanted to have a more well-rounded event. 
Yeah. And we organized the Raptors winning the title the one year. <laughs> at the pre-party. That what was a lot say? of work on our that was a lot of work on our part. We had to pull some strings. So that was fun. You made it happen. <laughs> maybe maybe that's what's missing this year. Yeah, it's like uh, the strings can't always be pulled every year. Didn't you have the Banksy yeah. in twenty eighteen? There was an actual real Banksy piece. Yeah. That was sick, man. Like in that part, I've only ever been in that part once again during the film. What, what is that part of the brewery normally? Is it storage or something? Uh, I'll call it multi-use. Multi-use? Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, uh, barrel age because we have a big uh, barrel age uh, 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 beer program. So it's a mi mix of barrel age, events, storage, etc. future expansion. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll – Kind of, it's always changing. Super cool. But even just that, like even, you know, you wrangled the, the Raptors winning, you brought in a Banksy piece. I mean, that's pretty sick. When's the last time you went to a beer festival and they had a legitimate, uh, real piece of art? It's insane. Like, world, world, you know, globally known. That's pretty impressive, guys. I love it. I remember. And then the after party. Yo, that shit was dangerous. So the first year, we went to the after. I went to the after parties both years. One was at, the last one was at Merritt and the one was in that... <laughs> part and the you just i think it was dan he just wheeled out this uh a free pour machine you were pouring it was like the blackberry gozer and something and, and clouds life in the clouds I was like oh no after drinking for like whatever four hours i'm like you brought a, a free pour thing out and then all of these like tubs full of cans i'm like oh this is bad good bad <laughs> well and all the brewers are <laughs> they do. great at stashing their own beers that they bring in. And so you do a bottle exchange as well, which gets pretty dangerous. Oh yeah. They're the, we, the best ones. And then on the second day, we, we always had like the Caesar bar, sorry, between the sessions to keep the brewers going. So we do like a kind of a cocktail hour for the, for the people working the festival. So that was always, right. uh, I think people enjoyed the, people enjoyed the Caesars. <laughs> Yeah, if hey, you're in Canada, you have to learn what a Caesar is all about. I can't, I can't do it, man. I can't do it. Like, it's, you know, particularly the uh, Caesar. Is that the one, the Kamado with the actual clam tomato juice? Like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I got to probably give it a real try. I don't like pickles. Is that what does that pickle? Or does that have a celery stick in it? Uh, you, you can put can pickles put in it. Whatever you want. It, okay. You can yeah. put bacon in it if you want. <laughs> It's quite, it's quite acidic, though. It is acidic. It's acidic? Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'm just being soft and I didn't try it. And I just look at it and I'm like, nah, man. That's ridiculous. It's just we don't have anything. What's the, what's the American one? Bloody Mary's, right? So Caesar here, Mary's in the States. Yeah. I, I, well, I've never seen it. It wasn't in Australia. Maybe it is now, but it wasn't growing up. So I never even heard of it until coming here. I'm like, what on earth is this? Why are you drinking it? No. <laughs> so you should make spaghetti with it or something. <laughs> I'm being a hater, but I will, I will try it. And I hear, I hear it's great. All, all my friends here always, it's like the morning, the brunch uh, drink. I guess what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Brunch drink and hangover drink. Hangover drink. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe I'll get to it. Maybe when I get citizenship, I'll just drink it that day. Like, all right, fine. Let's go. Be a part of the... Some protein <laughs> and a Caesar. There you part go. of the... Yeah, there you go. Good to go. Yeah, man, but the, it was really cool festival. Uh, obviously, it was sad to see it not happen in you know the last uh, now three years. I guess it'll be after this year. Yeah. Um, looking to bring it back twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah, we we are. We know we'll do a festival. We don't know if we'll reinvent it. 
or what. We got a little bit of time to figure it out, but we're definitely bringing back a, you know, a bigger festival uh, next year. Definitely. We thought about it for this year, and uh, you know, I don't know if we we were too afraid that there was going to be another lockdown, and it's just an insane amount of work um, to try and pull off. So yeah. we thought we'd reduce the risk for us for the year. I mean, look, it's sad, but I think that you're right. It, it's the, the risks of uh, the way things could go. Who knows, right? Like, the, I guess that's what's been happening the whole time. So it's yeah, not for all of that. Then what? You're gonna be stuck with this a shit ton of very, very good, expensive beer that'll just be slowly dying if it's not a stout or something. You know, like yeah, it's rough. Yeah. So it's, it's a shame, but I think people are a little patient, maybe impatient for a festival, but also understanding that you know, you never know how it could go. So. 2023 is back in business. I love it. Yeah. Um, no, that, that's been super cool. And something else, and this is probably a good segue almost to the, to the next beer if we want to get into that shortly, was the, you guys have moved into the distilling world um, in the last few years. Um, doing what, like gin, I, other, I guess I'll let you guys speak to it. I've had the gin and the, the pre-mixed drinks, which is super fun. Um, I guess it's just like the next logical step from beer. Yeah, I think like we can, when you're about all things creative uh, and you like to take on new challenges, for us, like gin was a natural extension for us because it's it's made relatively quickly, but it's all about the ingredients and you can play. And so we just love that space. So that's why we've really focused on gin is that uh, – you know, you can do so many different experiences out, out of the same style. Um, but, yeah, we've done, Ryan can talk a little bit more about it. Um, uh, you know, we've now done a rum that maybe, talk, Ryan, talk about the rum because the yeah, whole ecosystem like, you brought that to life is cool. Yeah, I guess it's kind of my idea. I think I was like, hey, do you think it's a good idea? And you were like apprehensive, but... <laughs> We, we made it happen, but we did, uh, we released a small batch last year of like a maple syrup barrel aged rum. Wow. So we aged our own maple syrup in bourbon barrels, took the maple syrup out. Then we added a, uh, pre-aged, uh, Venezuelan rum, uh, and then aged it in the barrel for a few months. And then that's what we, we packaged. So we finished the rum in the maple syrup barrel and we sell the maple syrup if you come to the brewery or on our website, you can buy the maple syrup uh, that the barrel that the rum aged in. So uh, it's just kind of like a cool way to do something different. Um, obviously, we're not quite at the level where we're, we're making our own rum quite yet, but um, I think we all have ambitions one day of somewhere, somehow making our own rum, actually doing the entire process. But, um, but we definitely, like we selected, like we did try a whole bunch of different samples of rum uh, kind of found this one that we really liked and uh, decided to run with that. But yeah, it's kind of like our new extension into the spirits that we've done. But on the gin side, we're all like, we've just uh, two years ago, I guess, uh, our juniper and lavender received be- you know, best flavored gin at the San Francisco world spirits competition Amazing. and then double gold again this year. So, uh, and all of our, our gins have been really well recognized and, and so we're, we're, we're proud of them. And I think it is because we come from this world that we're constantly playing and creating, 
which is a little more disruptive than where the spirits world has been, which is a little slower to move and, and not pushing the boundaries quite as much. It's a little more rooted in tradition and, 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 and we kind of push, push back against tradition. That's dope. I guess we had, uh, yeah. And like we came, we came naturally by it. It's been something we always want to do. And Matt Howell, older brother of Pat, who I know, you know, yes, is our distiller and cider maker. No way. Uh, Me and him went to university. So that's how we knew, we know each other for, we were roommates in university. So we've been together for almost 20 years now. Um, so yeah, he's the one. He went to Harriet Watt in Scotland. So he has a brewing and distilling background. So he's really always been into this distilling side. Jeez. So it was kind of always his passion. So, uh, and then we have Brett Taylor, who also did Harriet Watt. So he's kind of helping out too with a lot of the, the different uh, uh, spirits and cocktails we're we're making up now. So we have we have a lot of really dedicated staff that really are into the spirits world of things. That's awesome. And that's been a big investment for us. Like the, you know, we've recently added blending, um, uh, blending abilities, which um, allows us to play with all those cocktails. And so that, that's been a, a lot of fun is, is to just continue exploring there. Most of them are gin based, um, but we have done some more neutral spirit based, uh, you know, ones we've played with, which is obviously the, the seltzer craze is huge <laughs> yeah. for us. We're getting more excited about that. that. And, and we've played a bit in that space, but to be honest, we, we did, um, you know, you know, fresh, like, uh, steep teas. So it was trying, you know, our elevated version of a, of a seltzer using real ingredients. Um, yeah. but we, we have more fun with, uh, you know, pushing the limits on, on actually canned cocktails and creations there. I love that. It's uh, it's been interesting because you know I guess you guys have been there, but in Australia, growing up, like the ready to drink, like the pre mixed drinks were just everywhere. It was sort of what you drank. But you know, we didn't grow up drinking beer underage. We would drink these ready to drink stuff because they're cheap and they get you trashed. You know, but it's really cool to see Canada sort of embrace it at a higher, you know, a higher level as opposed to these sort of like you know just cheap stuff to, that tastes terrible that does the trick. Now we're actually getting like you know really craft. Uh, you know, pre-mixed stuff. I've had a few of the ones that you guys have done. They've been fantastic. Um, is that something that you guys are really leaning into moving forward? Like it's something that you really want to kind of focus on as a part of the distilling business? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, we're, you know, I, sorry, go ahead, Ryan. Uh, I was going to say, I think it's now we're trying to get all of the, like our liquor boards and everyone to get involved with, because a lot of them, like you said, they, they all lean towards the kind of the low end, low hanging fruit kind of cocktails. Whereas now we're trying to convince them all that these elevated cocktails are where they need to be. And yeah. there's Matt, you can probably speak to it, but there's a lot of trends, I think, coming out of a lot of markets like the US where these higher, high end cocktails and cans are becoming a big trend now. Hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, you see white claw, the white claws of the world, like, being big pallets in the store and taking over way too much of the store. Yeah, too much. Um, and, and, and it's really, you know, I could go on a whole rant there, how that's taken away from both craft beer, but also the ability to create elevated cocktails and have places for those. And so it's, an, it's an unfortunate to see that sort of mass category disrupting, you know, craft 
uh, you know, whether it's spirit based craft cocktails or, or craft beer. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's a fad that, that, that subsides sooner than later. Yeah. I imagine it'll be the same challenge as kind of beer, um, which is many, many years behind, like, you know, trying to get people off the, the macros and move them into something yeah. that's local and, 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 more expensive but better quality and it's a better drinking experience and typically i find when someone has it's like going from tim horton's coffee to a nice third wave roaster like d2 is yeah. out there in hamilton like it's night and day like you just can't go back once you're in it like it is what it is and i feel like a lot of my friends that i've seen since doing the stupid selfie thing these last 11 or so years not as long as you guys but just watching me being the dude who accidentally got into it and then just being the example by being curious and then seeing people as we go, every time we go to a house party, now the same person who rocked up with Canadians, now rocking up with a six-pack collective or something. And then you're like, all right. You know, you're seeing that change. So perhaps it's just going to be a slower grind to get people off the white claws and onto yeah, you know. I, I, have, I have a funny story about when we, when we first announced we were opening the brewery in Hamilton, you know, it, it was big news in Hamilton because there had been no brewery and everyone was uh, yeah, upset about Labatt buying the brand to shut it down. So I remember our, our, our meeting room while we were figuring out how to put a brewery back together again was um, the actual like uh, cold room for the old retail store that was there. And so we were just sitting in this random room around a table and you'd hear taps at the glass uh, at the front door. And so you'd go and say, hey, we're, we're not open yet. And the, and the, you know, this happened on a fairly frequent basis. People would just say, yeah, we know. We just want to say thanks for bringing a brewery back to Hamilton. We're excited for you to open up. And then when we did finally open, it took us, I don't know, Ryan, what did it take us? About a, almost a year. Um, when we finally did open, I, I, I saw those same people come back in and their comment was, we don't know what the hell craft beer is. So give me one of everything you have and I'll figure, I'll find something to like. We just want to, we want to be able to support you. And, um, and now they're, they've gone from, you know, choking down our easiest drinking beer to, you know, deep dive into the sours and, 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 and doubles and, and, and Imperial porters and everything. So it's amazing to see how it changes. So again, I hope, Hope that same trend of going going from uh, water with you know flavoring in it uh, of like a white claw to actually appreciating a, a, a true can cocktail. I'm hoping that that comes and the governments embrace that that category because it is it's the hottest category right now in the U.S. So we're hoping mm. to see that get embraced as well. That's awesome. That's such a sick story, man. Like I love I love to hear, and I feel like that's a that's exactly that. That's a testament to people that are like. It shows that local is important and that that local representation is really, really key. And to give people something I found that, and I'm sure you guys have too, that, you know, wherever you go, people are just proud of local. And sometimes to the point of uh, they, <laughs> they support it because it's local and not for any other, you know, exemplary yeah. factors. But, you know, you guys have, have given given the, the area someone something to be proud of. It's, that's really, really cool. Yeah. And there's now a group of amazing breweries in the in the city. Yeah, it's great. Um, that are doing, yeah, doing awesome things. I love. I love. What's are we trying the next beer now? Yeah, I was gonna say since we're talking about uh, you know cocktails, I know this isn't quite a cocktail, but it kind of sort of is. Do you want to uh, tell us about this one? Yeah, this one 
is my, my Oh, right. It's happening again. Yeah, it's, it's, do I just cut out and join back in? Yeah, he knows what to do now. He's a professional. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was a great, uh, a great little segue. So we're going to go this bad boy here. There he is. I'm going to grab him back in. There he is. Nice and easy. Sorry. I no, don't, man. Don't, don't apologize. Do not know it. You're good. Yeah, so um, this one is actually another core beer. Oh, we're uh, different on. Yes. You can hear me. I can hear you. Yeah, you're good, bro. Oh, cool. you talk. Yeah. Yeah, so this one is actually our newest core beer. We made a couple batches last year as like trials to see, kind of gauge people's reaction. But the idea is to be a inspired by a mimosa, but the base is a is a beer, not a not a sparkling wine or champagne. Uh, so we we bake a base kind of sour beer, uh, and then we add Got the brandy glass. We add about. 30, 33% orange juice to the finished beer. Uh, but we're kind of making this one a little bit like a slushy style, if you were. Okay. Uh, unfermented? Unfermented, yeah. Okay. And, uh, oh, I'm seeing, there you go. The glass I chose yeah. uh, is branded, but not large enough. So, I'm, uh, <laughs> oh, there it is. Oh, yeah, there's that OJ right there. There she is. How's so the, it's, uh, is it pasteurized? I imagine. We, we have a tunnel pasteurizer on our can line. Amazing. Um, so we're able to, to pasteurize the beer so you can drink it safely. Yeah. Um, so no, <laughs> no can bombs here. And I'll say this is our, like we, we, we got a tunnel for our canned cocktails and any non-oak stuff we do so we don't have to put any preservatives in them. Okay. Um, but never contemplated really using it with beer. Um, yeah. But this works really well for us. So this is the only beer we use it for, but it allows you to have a totally different experience being able to use fresh fruit. Um, Which is perfect. <laughs> Sorry, the stupid fruit. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. So it's 30%. Yeah, we, we fluctuate a tiny bit sometimes just based on – Again, going back to fruit, um, the quality of oranges changes over the course of the year. Uh, when the U.S. they harvest from different regions, and our, our supplier told us, he's like, "Hey, this time of year the fruit's not quite as good, and this time of year it's better." Mm-hmm. So, depending on the time of year, we add more or use a little less. So, we're just trying to make sure that the the orange quality is up, kind of trying to stay consistent. Okay, um, that's interesting. I guess. It- at least you can. So, the, is, is it puree though, right? Juice. It's actual juice. Okay, I mean, so look at local juice. Okay. I mean, orange puree and orange juice would pretty much be the same thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually, because it's what are you doing? You keep the pulp in there. Um, yeah. Okay, there is pulp in. There is pulp in there. Like, it looks kind of like chunky, but I wasn't sure if that was just like sort of the settling thing. I no. just took it out of the fridge. Um, no, it'd be pulp. In. Oh, yeah, it is. It's like sticking to the side. Hell yeah. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Oh my God, there's actual pulp in there. That is hilarious. <laughs> so it's kind makes, of. Makes it feel uh, really real. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of our take of like a, the slushy style, but like done a different way and 
not obviously not a big fat slushy beer, but uh, it's kind of got that real fruit vibe to it. So that's kind of uh, kind of what we're going for. What's the base? Is it like a Berliner or something? I mean, you could call it that. I mean, it's just it's a sour base. It's not quite as sour as like a Berliner would be, but right. sour enough just to kind of mimic that champagne vibe. Okay. I guess that was, was that like a challenge coming up with what that was going to be to, to sort of like, cause I, I can't even really think of a, off the top of my head. Cause it couldn't, I imagine it probably had to be a touch sour to make yeah, it work it's, different. It's fairly sour. It's just not quite to the same level as our other sour beers. We have luckily because we make so much sour beer, we have, we have a lot of dedicated equipment for making sour beer so we can get quite precise on what we're doing. Okay. Uh, so we have a whole dedicated souring system so we can really dial in the acidity to the levels we want. Uh, so we're, we're able to be a lot more precise than a lot of breweries tend to be just because we have the capability to turn off the souring if you were right. where we wanted to. Um, so that's kind of one of those benefits of us having making so much sour beer. We can we can do these like kind of unique kind of styles. Interesting. And this this one just came out. Yeah, three or four weeks ago, Matt. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Um, it's it's obviously perfect timing coming into um, coming into summer for for this type of stuff. It feels like it's that perfect. Um, what do you want to call it? Yeah. Like, you know, the, the type of beer that should be mandatory that every you know, brunch restaurant should stock this type of thing. <laughs> yeah. And for, and, we'll and for anyone in Ontario, we also did a grapefruit version oh, cool. um, that's available um, in either Loblaws or Fortino stores. Um, they took, they, they, they brought that in. So there's uh, actually four packets, two of the orange and then two of the grapefruit. So oh, that's great. Sort of, we, again, we did it as a mimosa style, but really it's like, it's, you know, fresh, fresh fruit beer. Yeah. It's definitely not what I thought it was going to be. I thought it would probably be this big sort of like real more tangy, soury thing that with, I don't know, you're right. Like, oh, like pure, I was about to say puree, but yeah, juice in it. Um, it's given it like a much more authentic experience, mimosa experience with the, with the pulp. It's even sort of like lining the side of the glass with the lacing. Which is I've never seen anything like this before. It's fascinating. How's the response been? Yeah, I I don't even know, Matt. Have you have you got much <laughs> it's, feedback? Like it's still it's, it's still early days. Uh, you know, anyone who's tried it anecdotally has has really enjoyed it. So we'll we'll see what the see what the the masses uh, yeah have to say about it. It's uh, it's cool, man. It's really I feel like it's really creative to do it with the um, I'm actually move that down unfermented uh, excuse me like unfermented fruit juice. Sorry, unfermented but pasteurized, so it's not dangerous. Um, yeah, I feel like that's that's going to be. I don't I haven't really heard of much outside of there's a there's a couple of breweries that do smoothies that pasteurize that are able to. Um, but I, I haven't really heard of anything like this argument that's going to be produced on mass that's uh, yeah, on mass for, for, for craft level. Um, that's done it this way. This is great. Is this going to be available in multiple markets or is this like a local thing? No, it's, 
It's uh, we uh, we sh we've gone wide, so it's in. I think it's across some quite a few. Uh, I, I know for sure Alberta, Quebec, and Ontario and Canada. I'm not sure where else, and then any of the markets we're in in the U.S. And same thing, it will eventually make its way overseas as well. Sick, I love it. Really creative. And the daily forecast is that like the series for different cocktails uh it be be a cocktail more for the more for the mimosas i think <laughs> specifically yeah for the like for our fresh fruit beers yeah. yeah okay so you got the grapefruit you got the orange one um i get i imagine there'll be more in future that'll just be sort of similar in that brand i think um yeah. one of our i don't know how it's getting branded but one of our sour series beers this summer we're gonna do in this style Sick. of non-refermented fruit. That one um, is based off a Toronto recipe we made with, uh, is like a, you know, pog, I don't know if you've been to Hawaii, the pog drink. Um, they, that's where like the kids games, the pogs where it oh, came from, where it's okay. uh, passion fruit, orange guava. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're gonna make a sour, based on pod in the fresh fruit form of not re-fermented. So that one will come out that'd later this summer. Yeah. That'd be killer. I love that. Um, that's actually a good little segue to the Toronto brew pub. We've touched on it a bunch. Um, so obviously you got the, the main facility in Hamilton and the Toronto spot on Dundas and Bathurst there, just up uh, from Bathurst. Great little spot, uh, wicked wraparound patio on the side there. So there's like plenty of seating. I went and actually met up with Patty uh, there in September. Uh, checked it out. Got to have a couple of drinks there. Really cool vibe. Um, how did that come about? What's the deal? Well, as as we said, we were kind of did things in the reverse. We started with a larger brew kit and uh, always wanted the ability to play even that much more. And so um, in Toronto's our biggest, biggest market, even though we're in Hamilton, Toronto's just a you know, huge city next door for us and, and, and creative hub. So we always knew we, we wanted to do something there and there was, um, you know, just a kind of timing, timing made sense for us on one hand, although trying to open a space and get going during a pandemic, um, is not as easy. I don't think any of us thought it would be such a roller coaster. So trying to get a food program and and get some um, cadence to for hiring and everything was was tough. But uh, it seems like we've got some sense of normality finally there. I love it. So the intention was to sort of uh, you know have a bit more of a presence in you know obviously the 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 big market next door um, and to be able to experiment on these, you know, do these fun little small batch things, whether it's in the bottle, like the, 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 the lager we just had. Um, it just, uh, you know, obviously all your main, all of your, uh, the main beers also main at Hamilton are pouring there from what I understand as well. So it's kind of a nice little mix people can try if they haven't been able to get down to Hamilton or they get these on uh, one-offs that they couldn't get elsewhere type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think when we, we got it too. It was before Ontario changed the laws about bars and restaurants being able to retail products to go. <laughs> so that was also our way to get a retail store in Toronto. Like, oh, cool. Right. We can. And then 
the government ended up changing the rules, which is great. But uh, when we we took it over, we didn't know that was going to happen. So it was our like, and it was in the middle of COVID. So it was like, well, we want to get people access to our product. So we thought it was a great idea, which it still is. But it uh, the government changing the rules kind of, I mean, it's great for everyone, but it was part of the reason why I think we thought it was a great idea too. Right. I, I know what you mean because that was a pretty big. Uh, it was a pretty big step. I felt like didn't get spoken about enough, like how crazy it was that uh, from all these years it was just you, know, you could buy the beers in one place or two places really. Then all of a sudden, now anybody could just start. You know, a restaurant could become a, a group, or cafe or yeah. anywhere could become that. But it's kind of cool to have a, a home, even though it's only like in, you know, say an hour away from Hamilton to Toronto. It's still like a. I think it's pretty pretty dope to have this spot that you know is different. It's close by enough, but there's so many people there that it can it can service whilst also offering something unique that they, you know if they went to Hamilton they couldn't get these beers. So I mean that's you know that's pretty cool, and it's, it's cool. It's a great looking space. You paint the the mural on the side is amazing. Obviously you've lived up to the brand. The you know the art is is crazy. It's just a real fun vibe when people there are cool. It's just the servers are all super nice, and I don't know it's just a great experience. Yeah, we're and up above it, we're although not open to the public, we built some um, creative studios up there. So we'll cool. uh, open it up for some artists to, to use as a, a free studio space, and we'll change it which artists are in there. And then also be able to shoot a lot of like content with uh, new musicians that are coming through or local musicians. And so I wanted, wanted a space that we could bring sort of that side of the brand to life as well. That's great, man. Uh, I love it. I'm really happy. And the response has been super solid. I'm, I mean, I went there, it was rammed. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's been great. As, as you know, there's a pandemic, so... <laughs> I heard you, you, one month to the next, you didn't, yeah. you didn't know what you're, what you're getting, but, um, no, we have an amazing team that's there. Jeff is the, uh, the head brewer, uh, Eric is the general manager. There's just an amazing team that's there that, um, you know, I think something that's really important for us is, is, you know, I guess really being our Canadian selves and being very sort of authentic. There's no, no worse experience. I've had it going into other, you know, breweries never to be named, but where um, you don't feel necessarily welcome. And, and um, you know, something that's really important for us is just that it should feel, you should feel totally at home and really comfortable. And it doesn't matter if you know your beers or you don't know your beers, like, you should be comfortable asking questions. We have a lot of different stuff that we do. And so I think they've done a great job of that, just making it feel really, really um, comfortable and everyone at home there. Yeah, very cool, man. It's, it's a really great move. I was very happy to hear that, uh, that it was you guys who took over that space. I know it was up for a while, and I knew a couple of other breweries who were talking to that space. I was happy to see that uh, it came out to be you guys and uh, your experiment. And we've been – We've been looking, we looked in Kensington Market for a long time. We've looked around the city for a long, long time. We almost put pen to paper on a couple of leases over the years and, and um, for different reasons, uh, some weird reasons. We, <laughs> we, we signed some of those leases. And, uh, and so, no, we've, we've been really happy. We have amazing landlords as well. So, um, yeah, 
and and that's not always common because if 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 you want no. if you want to talk some of the challenges that that exist out there especially through the pandemic you know that that that's that's a tough thing that a lot of people have gone through is the challenges with landlords as well oh for sure yeah i've heard some horror stories and you know we can all look you, know, you walk down queen or any kind of major street in any city, even here in Montreal, I'm gesturing outside because, you know, St. Laurent, St. Denis, Park Avenue, they're all like, it's half of the stores are gone. So now I can imagine it's been, uh, it's been a rough time. So it's great that you've been able to open uh, during this time and, and, you know, really keep it going. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's the, we're, we're in the tail end of it, hopefully. Yeah. So then it'll, it'll, you know, People will be able to enjoy it more. You'll be able to, you know, do a lot more and make more moves more confidently, such as liquid art. Actually, that's a question. Are you gonna? Can it be incorporated into liquid art? Because I imagine there could be maybe like a satellite situation. Maybe or maybe yeah, we do a party there or something. Like yeah, I think that was the plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When that's you when you bring when you bring brewers in that have never been to Canada before, they want to see Toronto. Fair and so uh, gives us definitely ability to host host them there, but for sure it'd be a satellite location, and there's nothing preventing us from doing a extending the festival in some way into into the city. Hmm. Very cool. Never thought about that till now. I love it. Uh, speaking of other locations, I'm going to run to the washroom. I'm going to ask you a question. I can still hear you because I'm in a small place. Um, the New York location i remember seeing a you know uh, uh a post or multiple posts about it i want to say it was it must have been early pandemic or maybe 2019 oh before the pandemic i think before it was 2018 jeez okay and what was the area again? Yeah. remind me of the area uh Gowanus in That's the one. okay um do you want to just start to to speak on Sure. Like yeah. How, how it's a, uh, yeah, we we plan. Yeah, yeah I, I I'll I'll take it from here. I'm good. It's all you, man. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, are you going too? You guys are both making me talk to myself. This is awesome. Right, come on, man. Um, yeah. Uh, so yes, we to, uh, we started. Yeah. <laughs> We signed a lease in, I believe, it was 2018. Yeah, I, 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 we've we've had brewing equipment since uh, early 2019. Um, so we were excited to open up a space in uh, Guanas in New York. Obviously, we we sell beer in the U.S. and wanted a home base, so we're not you know uh, in uh, a foreign brewery. And uh, we signed a space on, on a great location in Guanas, and, and we uh, we thought we were in a hurry-up mode. We had brewing equipment, I think, had to have it ready for June of 2019, and it's been sitting in a warehouse since then. Unfortunately, our landlord has uh, not yet finished the building that we need to move into. Uh, it was a beautiful old building that needed some restoration, and uh, the project's essentially come to a stop. So we have a we have a sign on the building. We have uh, a kitchen built out with a beautiful mural on it. There's and boilers there, and we have a bunch of brewing equipment sitting in a warehouse, and we're just twiddling our thumbs, wondering when and or if we'll ever be able to finish and build that brewery, which for you know for a small company. 
that need to be scrappy. And, you know, we've been sitting with a lot of money sitting in warehouses that's not doing anything. So that's, it's been, it's been tough and on us and frustrating. Um, but at this point, there's nothing we can do than sit and wait and, and hope the landlord either finishes the building or sells it to someone who will. Jeez. So like you're yeah, saying, so I'm going to take a drink to that. Yeah. Man, that's uh, that's crazy. The so it's really at the mercy of the landlord. Like I imagine they clauses or something that you know that they had. Yeah, to we do uh, like in, in in full transparency, we did a great lease. Except, you know, I'm going way too deep into this. But instead of we, so for anyone who's ever doing leases on spaces, please please call me. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell you the pitfalls. One of it is, if not complete by X date, all of this is null and void. Right. And unfortunately, we did not put that in there. We used a lawyer. They didn't recommend that. Um, we didn't think of it because the landlord was in a hurry-up mode. So it doesn't matter what your landlord's telling you. Make sure you put all the safety clauses in there. Because uh, if we had one sentence in that lease, we would have been able to have moved locations We'd actually been in discussions with another location um, that we'd be up and running two and a half years ago, and and unfortunately we we signed the, signed the wrong wrong lease with the wrong location, and we're stuck. How much is it like a while longer, or is there any way out at all, or is it sort of just sit tight until? I mean, we could lawyer up and blow a ton of money fighting it, <laughs> which we kind of are anyway, but. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the only thing we're counting on is the New York uh, real estate market's hot again, and especially that neighborhood. And he would be crazy to sit there doing nothing with that building for much longer. I, we hope. Right. So finish it. Let us move in or sell it. Um, that's that's the Jeez, or or. Yeah, yeah, and it's you. You can't exactly say, "Great, we're taking the brewing equipment and we're signing a lease over here," because if he ever does finish it, we're stuck on that one. And so right. you, we've had people reach out to us and said, "Heard what what heard what happened to you? We have a building that's perfect for you, but you you um, unfortunately we 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 missed we missed one line in the lease." So it's like a commitment as opposed to having to pay right now. But the commitment means that if Correct. he ever does finish it, you can't get out of it. So there's no point. Yeah, but you're you're you know you're million plus in brewing equipment and you're first and last and security deposits and boilers and chillers and everything else is all sitting you know spent looking to do something. Jeez. So nice. it is what it is, and you, you roll with the punches. But it's. Uh, we were really excited to get a brewery up and going in New York City, and and um, you know it's it's our our largest market in the U.S. and so it just it and it feels like home because it's such a creative hub, mm. uh, especially Brooklyn. So you know someday one day we'll be up and going there. Well, I think I guess it's not like impossible, but it's uh, you know hopefully just getting shit together and uh, do the right thing. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's crazy. Um, did you have plans? So saying, you know, when everything works out in your favor, uh, are you planning to uh, maybe move the U.S. operations as far as uh, distribution 
uh, to be based out of this uh, U.S. brewery. So then there's no sort of import-export. It's just more of like your Canadian uh, side here, the American side here, and you just service the markets. How would I, no, I think it was meant to be more of an innovation brewery okay. service, service New York and surrounding area with more, um, you know, smaller batch brews. Okay. It was a 20 hectoliter, 20 barrel. Oh, it wasn't massive. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah, it was well, definitely not, it couldn't have done all of our U.S. demand out of there, but it could have it could have done a decent volume. Like we had, it was a big. It's a big enough space that we could, in theory, push it. But I don't think anyone really wanted to. So that wasn't. I think we were just more, more just trying to be interesting, much like we're doing in Toronto, but down there. Hmm. Yeah, and unfortunately, and 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 this was delayed pre-pandemic, and the pandemic didn't make it easier for our landlord, unfortunately, and um. Yeah, as I say, we were in this great hurry-up mode. We we didn't think we could get the brewing equipment quick enough, and uh, we, you know, I think we did by at least three years. So. <laughs> God, man. that's uh, that's really frustrating. Like I, I couldn't imagine how pissed off you guys must be. So uh, hopefully that uh, you know that all, all sort of comes to fruition in whatever way it's meant to be sooner than later. Um, I mean, I wonder if, if you did get it going beforehand, would the pandemic have negatively affected it? But it seems like beer is one of the few industries that seems, for the most part, to have done, you know, have held on pretty well. Yeah, I think, like, you, you, you would have had a trade-off in right. that restaurant side of it, mm -hmm. where the taproom side would have really struggled. But most markets, including New York, opened up the ability to sell direct to home. Mm -hmm. And so you offset it on that side. So I think we, we, we would have been just fine through that. And a lot of breweries, you know, struggled initially. Uh, if I go back to the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of breweries just closed their doors because, you know, and, and for us, we pivoted, we had, uh, we had a sales team and s staff to keep going. So we pivoted by actually opening up more of a direct to home sales um, and we're all, we're delivering, um, to, every, you know, um, and we, we went from having no e-commerce business to it being a huge piece, piece of our business. We all took our own personal cars. We loaded up and we're delivering to homes. And often in early days, we were the only pe first person anyone saw. Um, and you were delivering a beer, a case of beer to their, their porch. And, um, and that, that's what kept a lot of breweries afloat, uh, you know, across North America and around the world is is pivoting to be able to you know do e-commerce you guys didn't have it pre-pandemic eh? sort uh, of we sort of it was it was really no had it, it didn't show up on any of our sales charts let's just say and it and it like for a while there there at the beginning of the pandemic it was probably the biggest piece of our business Oh, shit. And it just showed up, you know, for us, we just, it, you know, we, I didn't, you know, we didn't want to lay anyone off. And so it's like, okay, you gotta, you gotta pause and say, how do we, how do you avoid laying anyone off when, you know, all your channels are essentially closed? Mm. Figure out a new, figure a new way to get, get it there. And we were able to successfully do that. Most, most breweries were laying off staff. Um, and we, we didn't, we didn't have to do that. 
And mm. uh, so that was, that was huge for us. And we were, we were proud of that. That's great. Why did you, I mean, look, cause I'm here in Quebec and I'm saying it from a place of, we still don't have the direct to home uh, option yeah. for, for breweries, which is eternally frustrating, particularly in a province where similar to yes. Ontario, it's, you know, 12, 14 hours to get to the arse end. If you want to get Orval or something like that, like, you have to kind of still search it out or know someone who can send it, whatever it might be. Um, being in Ontario, you know, it was quite a big deal. Uh, I, I think I think it's one of the coolest things about Ontario that you do have the um, the, the direct, you know, mailing uh, option. Like, was there any reason that you didn't lean into it previously? I, I guess you guys had a large distro network anyway, so maybe people yeah, didn't and, need it. and no one seemed to care. Like, no <laughs> yeah. one was, like, yeah. wasn't it? The thing like was that- there was wine clubs mm-hmm. you had wine clubs that was like that was a thing right uh, no one else, you weren't ordering any other style of of, of alcohol for delivery mm. um and then maybe like when you're tra- half hours on earth was doing it they were the first I don't even think. yeah like i couldn't think of too many other breweries actually doing it i think that was because of their proximity to nothing like, yeah you know, like because they were so yeah. Yeah, isolated <laughs> Yeah, but when, when when you're when you're trapped at home, and every day you know the beginning of the pandemic, we all forget what the beginning of the t- pandemic was like. But it was like every day has a happy hour because you're <laughs> stuck at home. You don't know what the hell's going on, and and so that just changed habits. And mm. that it wasn't just here in Ontario; it was it was it was globally. It changed habits. And I don't think that genie's hopefully not going back in the bottle because for us, it's our only ability to offer directly to one of our drinkers our entire portfolio. Mm. If there's no retailer that carries everything we make, right? And so it's the best ability for us to you know offer them the best experience we can. Mm. For those in Ontario who are you know are looking to order from you, can they also get access to things like the, uh, you know, the rhythm and rhythm burn or the yes. fun Toronto stuff, right? They get access to the small batch stuff that, uh, yep. they couldn't possibly. Yeah, we probably, yeah. Sick. Yeah. We probably release a beer a week, I think. Great. Um, and then, uh, we also have a beer club that has some exclusive beers that are only available on the beer club. And, um, and it's we actually have our own team. We drive our own team will deliver same day delivery. If you order by twelve, we deliver to your house that same day. Amazing. And it's our team that delivers everywhere from Scarborough to Niagara to Kitchener to I think Brampton. Jeez. So most of the most of the you know area around Toronto, we we do that all ourselves so that we can kind of give the best experience we can. That's really cool. I'm glad that worked out for you guys too. Um, being that maybe, like you said, because you guys had that distro network and mostly readily available, like you said, not your whole portfolio, but if I want to collect it, it's not always that difficult to get hold of um, across the province. But that now additional value where maybe they couldn't leave the home back you know, two years ago, like you said, it almost seems like a distant memory, but not really. Um, and in a, to be able to get the small batch stuff all in one place, very, very cool, super convenient. Yeah. I think it's become now, like even like my partner and I, we didn't really, um, you know, order like Amazon or whatever, order that much stuff online. Now I, it's my go-to, 
Like even before, like shit, we need paper towels. Well, I've got a supermarket there, I've got a supermarket there. I'm like, let's just go online. Like it's just become <laughs> this like automatic thing now that I, I wonder has probably happened for a lot of people. And particularly, you know, beer was, was almost maybe a lot of people who weren't customers, period, not even just of collective, but of, you know, of beer online, period. And they're like, oh, this is how I can get it? Sweet. And now I'm like, oh, wow. And then they realize like, I can order, hang on, I'm based in Hamilton, but I can order from everywhere. And I think that's probably, you know, maybe got it, they got in a rhythm of it, you know, every week or every other week, whatever it might be, just, you know, order from somewhere. And well, it's very and, cool. And I'll say I'm in the brewery most days, um, but I, I order from, <laughs> I order a lot to, and I live 12 minutes from the brewery and I'm like, ah, do I want to drive there and back or do I want to just place the order? Oh, I'll just place the order. Why not? Right. Personally yeah. delivered. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. I love it. Um, do we want to wrap it up with the, uh, with the big boy? Sounds good. Yeah, sure. Um, so the last beer we got is, uh, one of our origin and darkness collaboration series. Yeah. Um, every year we release, uh, typically around four, sometimes more, um, collaborations that are based around dark beers, generally higher ABV ones. Yeah. Um, very a lot. And a lot of them are barrel aged. Uh, the one that we're drinking tonight is one we do with uh, garage project. Uh, from down in New Zealand, so close to your neck of the woods, I guess. Yes, it is. Three hours. I don't know if you know the boys down there, but... I don't know them personally, uh, but I'm very familiar with the brewery. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. No, they're amazing. And then, so we kind of did this one inspired by a lot of ingredients from there. Yep. Um, so we used um, their Phantasm um, Pinot Noir... Uh, grape uh, dehydrated grape uh, so that was added to the beer post barrel aging and then we got in um, vanilla from the South Pacific and uh, cacao from uh, New Zealand actually uh, from a source that they use uh, and then we did a double barrel aging first we aged in neutral oak and then we finished in uh, tawny port barrels so Very cool. uh, it's got a lot going on <laughs> yeah. I think you put phantasm um, in there. So obviously, when we we do a lot of these beers, so you're always trying to do something new and interesting. So uh, this one's got a lot of different flavors going on, but I think they uh, I think they came out pretty good and pretty harmonious. This is like such a dope series. Also, I got the the glass. It's one of the coolest glasses. I love this glass. It's so sexy. It's perfect for uh, the just like you know small pause of high ABV dark beers. Gorgeous. Yeah. So good. And then we, we switched over to doing cans a couple of years ago. I was about to ask. Um, yes. I mean, we feel like our, at our brewery, our canner is a much better packaging line than the old bottler that we had. Fair. Um, so we felt like we could just, we could can it better. We felt that the size is a much better serving, like, 355 mils when you're most of these beers are above 10% ABV yeah. is a much better serving size than a big 500 mil plus bottle. So it's easier for a single person to consume as opposed to always trying to find someone else to split a bottle with you. 
Um, so it's always interesting the reaction you get because most a lot of people don't associate high end barrel aged beer with small cans. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we we did get a bit of pushback from people being like, "What the hell?" <laughs> um, and then yeah, and then you, you tell that... them, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. No, I was just uh, going to say, there's that perception that that you can, you know, a bottle is is makes makes sense to be more expensive, but the reality is this is the best way for us to treat the beer. Mm. And then people were all like, "Oh, we're getting gypped." I'm like, actually, we were able because we were much more efficient by making it this per milliliter or liter, or whatever. It was actually much cheaper to do. <laughs> Um, then when we used to bottle it, we, right. the, because of all the process that would involve the, and the bottles would just be more expensive. So we could actually do it cheaper to give the product to the customers at a cheaper price. Um, but they would, they just associated cans with like a cheaper product. So it's kind of like one of those like, yeah, kind of mind fucks that people can't get over. <laughs> I thought that had passed for the most part now. I thought we'd kind of all gotten, you know, it's, yeah, it's getting there. There's still yeah, some no. holdouts, but <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'd like I everything you said, hundred percent alignment. Bottles, great, love them. They're fun, but particularly over the pandemic, when you weren't seeing the people that we all used to see, they how many of us have all of these seven fifty mil bottles at twelve percent in the fucking yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm all for these. I actually even like the one. Have you seen the stubby ones? Like the ones that are like eight ounces or whatever. Like, yeah. I don't think I've seen them in Canada, but like even. That's like the next step from this, but this is great. This is ten point eight, um, easily you know, easy uh, serving for one person. That's not going to be too much. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I was really happy when I saw the the change to this. I really did enjoy the bottles, but it did make me sit on them longer. If I if I uh, until then these, I'm just like, oh, I can do this. I don't need to share this, even though technically it's what hundred and forty five mil less. It's not that much, even. But it's yeah, just the, exactly. It's the mental thing. People, yeah, it's the mental thing, <laughs> which is very, yeah. very cool. Got a great nose on it. I'm definitely getting like the port on the nose. Yeah, you get the little that kind of that nuttiness from the port. Yeah. So it spent more time in the port than it did the oak. Okay. The oak was just kind of mellowed it out, and then uh, the and then finished in the port. Um, yeah, just like all the flavors, like. Obviously, like cacao and vanilla obviously <laughs> go very well with big, dark imperial stouts. So you're not really yeah. making mm. a big risk when you use those things. But um, the, I, we have never, we've never used those uh, dehydrated grapes before from them. Um, that was a new experience for us and they turned out really well. Um, they were fun to get out of it. Speaking of getting out of a tank, I know that our brewers had fun getting those out of the tank, but yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, Matt, I think you might know him. He's Australian. He's, well, he's brewing for us back then. He got covered yeah. in, uh, I think he got covered in, uh, wine skins when he did that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, part of the deal. Yeah, I do know that. Yeah. Um, he was, yeah, he was, I remember him telling me about that. That's, you know, part of the fun of these type of beers, you know, I can imagine. So yeah. The, 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 uh, the phantasm, it's a powder, right? Yeah, so it's like a, I don't know the whole science behind it, right. um, but it's they're dehydrating, but keeping a lot of the the flavor components obviously. 
Okay. Uh, so it's a pretty cool product. We actually just did a collaboration with Willabald out of our Toronto brewery using the, um, I'm pretty sure it was Pinot, uh, no, sorry. Uh, uh, my brain is not working. The sorry. white wine. Um, oh, uh, Pinot Grigio, Chardonnay, Sauvignon no. Blanc. It was Salt Blanc, I think, Salt sorry. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't there when they brewed. Jeff and uh, Joe were there. Um, so we're just doing like an IPA with the uh, with Savion Blanc one, and that'll come out, should be coming out soon. So that'll be interesting to try too. That'd be fun. This is such a fascinating beer. The Obviously, it's like a, like this is a, probably my favorite series from you guys. I love that. Even the Imperial Porter version that you mentioned before, um, that, I love that one. In the, the sexy little, um, the, the, the little tube, the cardboard the tubes. Tube. Yeah, love that. Love that one. Um, particularly because it's just like a straight up Imperial Porter. There's nothing else in this. It's just a straight up and down bourbon barrel age. It's just money. I love it. This is fascinating because it's got like, um, there's like a, uh, like a, the tart wine kind of going on in here from the Pinot barrels. But then if you didn't tell me that there was Phantasm, I probably would have just ascribed it to the, to the wine, but there's like a, I've only ever had Phantasm in like double IPAs. So it's like, yeah. it's like this. In this, it's like, I don't know, I can't really think of the word. It's like zippy. There's something like, it's almost like sherbet or something. Yeah. Well, that, am I I'm wrong assuming it's, I'm assuming it's like the, there's acidity, right? Like it's like exactly like you said, it's that tang. Yeah. Um, there could be, and it's the tannins too. Like you're getting tannins mm. from it. Like it's probably the kind of the balance of everything. It's um, fascinating. This is, yeah, like- I, I mean, I would love to play around with it more. So yeah. <laughs> it's kind of one of those. I know that they're kind of pushing it more. I see them uh, promoting it more out there. So I, I think people are going to try it out. And it, you see a lot of those new expressions of similar flavors, like all of the hop ex- new, the new like third phase of hop extracts you see coming out. Like we did, we used a couple of those in our last IPA series beer. So there's some interesting things coming out of the extract world, which I think is kind of like the newest innovations and flavors when it comes to beer, I think is going to happen in the next few years. Yeah, definitely agree. Like, yeah. Um, incognito, I think it's called the, the, yeah, we use in the IPA 20, there's incognito and then there's the newer one, which was spectrum, they call it. And the spectrums you can actually use more in like the dry hop side. Cool. So that was, yeah, we had a good, good results using both of those. And we've been messing around with incognito and different timing. So we're having fun uh, playing and learning with those uh, new ingredients. I love it. Uh, and speaking of that, the ingredients, like this series has been, um, from all the ones I've had, must have been, I don't know, six to 10 of these I think I've had um, over the years. The, these have been really, must have been really fun for you guys to, to work with. They've all, correct me if I'm wrong, they're all collabs. Maybe except for the yeah. porter, yep. Which is cool because Matt, you alluded earlier to a bunch of collabs that you guys do, and you're really big on uh, you know fostering that community and, and working with people. But I've really enjoyed this series because it's it's always something like even if it's it's just like wild ass shit every single time. Like even something you you're like whoa, like no, like that is not gonna. But then you make it work. Like it's just super and then interesting. You have- and then you have to wait a year to see if it actually did work. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Because they're all bad. You get, you get good at like <laughs> picking it. Like there's an art, there's an art to the post aging side of it. 
Right. <laughs> Some things obviously come out, you're like, well, that was unexpected, but you can, you can always finish it. <laughs> right. Um, um, so like sometimes we age things after barrels, like mm. the wine skin, for instance. So you, so you can kind of like, like tweak not it. necessarily change it, but like guide it in the right direction. Okay. That makes sense. Um, but it's, it's definitely a challenge to like be creative and come up with new ideas and not just kind of regurgitate the same ones all the time. Yeah. So that is a bit challenging. <laughs> um, well, Cause I mean, like cannoli, cannoli in, in a beer, you seem to be pushing pretty far, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's what people do now. <laughs> I don't know. There's people desserts. doing weirder shit than what we're doing. <laughs> uh, but you, you, it's like I feel like you've got uh, the right level of weird, if if that makes sense. <laughs> as far as like I think for your audience and for who and you guys are, I've got a fantastic. Uh, I feel like one thing you guys do across the board that you do not get enough credit for is the gateway side of things. Um, which isn't this, but you know, you've got the same of circumstances, really like approachable lighter beers that everybody can access year round and maybe, you know, the, the, the more flagship brands and you've got this crazy ass, you know, high ABV barrel stuff for the straight beer nerd. So you're introducing people to it, to, to craft beer. Then the thing we talked about earlier with the art and how, and the music and how that's bringing people into beer, but then you're also very well servicing probably people like the three of us, like just beer nerds who just love the shit. Um, and you're doing that. So I think it's really cool. And this is probably one of the times where you don't have to worry about the noobs. You're like, yeah, man, we can just boss the wall, <laughs> go crazy. But, Did you go on? Sorry. I was going to say, I think that's kind of key, especially nowadays when you're a brewery like us, where we're larger, you kind of have to service all the groups, right? Because yeah. if you focus on one group, I think you're, you're destined down a path of, <laughs> Uh, eventually you're going to run out of uh, customers or they're going to move on <laughs> to something else. Right. So you gotta, you gotta definitely try to placate uh, everyone. I mean, you're not going to be a larger brewery if you're going to only talk to us. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, to be honest, I think it's like, it's, it's funny. We have a festival. What do all the brewers want to drink? They want to drink an easy drinking lager. Right. Yeah. We've all, we, we play all over the place, but, and, and so why do we need to be so pretentious as to only make one style of beer? Because it's, you know, we can pound on our chest and say this, we're, you know, we're the cool kids making the, the coolest style of beer. No, we want to have fun and we want to, we want to try different things. We know our drinkers want to try different things. So for us, it's, that's part of what we're all about. So it's, we don't need to be, um, worry about our ego or, uh, you know, or, or are we the cool kid? We want to make good beer. So it's like, yeah, there's great beer that's really easy drinking. And there's great beer that is, you know, aged, you know, it's 10% and it's aged for a year and you don't know what you're going to get until it's coming out of the barrel. And so, you know, it's fun to play in that whole range. Yeah. Now, well said. Do you, I, I had, um, my, my, I think it was my last bottle from this series, like maybe last month or February, I think it was the one with um, Kex in Iceland, which was like the sea salt and cacao. Yep. That was probably my favorite from the series because it was it was just money. It was just fucking money. I love that one. Did either of you guys have a favorite from any you know from the very beginning to to, to now of the Origin of Darkness series? Wow, <laughs> I forget them all. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I made them. <laughs> um, there is a million just looking um, through un like untapped. There's like, it's like, oh, there's a million of these bastards. How many are there? Like 30, 40, 50? No, of the barrel know. age? I don't know. What are we, 16 maybe, Ryan? Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not so bad. Maybe. Four, four, year, four years, maybe five years, so 16 to 20. Okay. There's a couple um, extras. Like last year we had the Cascade collab that was like a wild yeah. sour. So okay. There's a few balls there. So we're probably pushing 20 maybe. I don't know. Okay. That um, Cascade collab, that was, that, that was a beautiful beer. What was that uh, one? That one we – like we did a mixed culture – um, like a like a stout base, uh, so dark sour. Um, cool. Then we finished on uh, Ontario peaches. Oh, um, wow! So that's interesting. Like a full on mixed culture sour, uh, bottle conditioned. So diff totally different than the rest of the the series, really. And that's in like in a bottle, obviously. But the bottle one. Okay. Do you have a favorite? Uh, there's, um, I don't know if I, I, I don't do well picking favorites, um, <laughs> fair. But, but, uh, this year we, there was one with peanut butter, Ryan. Oh, the peanut butter milkshake. Yeah. The yeah. one with Larry. Yes. That's a very I, I think that was, um, it was the one that surprised. I didn't think I would be into it and it, it was really, uh, I really enjoyed that. That was, I think my favorite of the year. Interesting. The head on this one, I'm just looking at the pictures on Untap. Look at that head on this one. This is like, that's crazy. Like, that, uh, look at that. Oh, yeah. That's doing some interesting stuff. <laughs> I mean, you've got actual peanut butter in there that I imagine just seems to react. Sometimes yeah, we, we just, have these things. Yeah. <laughs> no, we use the desiccated peanuts. But. Like, oh, okay, so it's saying. Yeah, there's some really interesting ones in here, man. Um, really, yeah. I see the one, Again. chocolate and pistachio cannoli, with uh, the one in Italy. It's, that was with crack. Was crack. It? It's Claudio? Yeah. 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 Again, look, on the nose a little bit, but. <laughs> nah, dude, this is what it's about. <laughs> it this, is, this is what you got to be doing with this stuff, you know? Like, uh, it's got to be interesting. It's got to be something different. And, and, like, I'm looking at all of these ones. None of it is any, it's like, oh, that's ridiculous. It's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like I had the one with cocoa. I have a special place. Go, man. For so the crack. My, my first time meeting Claudio, I literally flew. They're just outside of Venice. I flew flew into Venice, took a boat to see, you know hang out in Venice by myself. Then I took a train. Then I took a bus. And then he picked me up with a car from the bus and took me to the brewery. I hung out and had a few couple hours of beers with them and then i literally went and did this whole thing back in reverse so it was my, it was like i have a special spot for the you know crack because it was my whole planes trains and automobiles all by myself traveling through europe trying to figure out the bus schedule jeez what a nightmare i guess uber wasn't around <laughs> probably not also i probably would take you that far yeah this is it's a really cool series i mean how did it all start by the way I, you know, we, we had a lot of barrel aged beer that, um, and we were just trying to figure what to do with it and whether we was all just going to be straight up and I don't know, same thing I said almost right at the beginning is we're pretty good at 
sitting around and shooting the shit of where we want to go and, and playing with it. So I don't know, there was like four or five of us in the room and we ended up with uh, origins of darkness series. And like we talked about, well, what if we did this as a collab series and what if we uh, focused on ingredients from their own terroir and how do we bring that to life? And then we said, okay, that's cool. And then, so then that's where the origins came up with. And obviously darkness is the style. So that's, you know, it's, it's pretty on the nose, the name. <laughs> that makes so much more sense now. And yeah. I guess I didn't realize, I guess I didn't really put two and two together that the one I had from Iceland had Icelandic sea salt and stuff in it. And this is from New Zealand. It's got all these Kiwi stuff. So it all makes much more sense now. I love that. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think we've, we've talked about that literally, but the name is a literal, it's... <laughs> Dark, dark beers using ingredients from their own terroir. So that's that's the that's the that's the shtick, and it's, and it's fun, simple yeah. and effective. Now, was, yeah. when did when did it start? I guess if you've got about the twenty odd beers, um, probably four or five years ago. Four or five, yeah. And you do what yeah. four four each year ish, four or five ish. Yeah, four yeah. typically, unless there's an oddball. Gotcha. And the 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 imperial porter I had was also under this brand, but that, I don't know if it was a, I don't think it was a collab anyway. No, nah, it's just a straight up Imperial okay. Porter in a bourbon barrel, like kind right. of old fashioned. Yeah. Like we were said. doing, we were, we were doing that. It was kind of, that was the base and then everything was playing off, off of that direction. We've since, cause initially when we first did it, it was all off the same base and now okay. we're, the base can be different. Okay. And so it allows us to play that much further. Gotcha. But that's that's why we initially had that straight up Imperial Porter is we were like it starts here and then everything goes off of that. Right. Oh that was the first one. Yeah. Yeah. That was that just the the straight beer out of the barrel, not adding all the interesting ingredients. Mm. I and I don't think we're doing the straight up Imperial Porter anymore. Um, because we're now playing each one of these is a little bit more diff, uh, u- unique now. Gotcha. Yeah, that would make sense because the base isn't the same anymore, so so it doesn't yep. have the same value. Yeah, I get it. Um, no, it's really cool. It's it's really fun that uh, that you're able to do something like this as well. And I guess once again, it just continues to foster that community internationally with like fun breweries and stuff. For the one for, I think it gets released like in the winter, obviously beginning of the winter. Is that right? Yeah, it's usually uh, late October, Ryan, somewhere in there. Yeah, October-ish is usually when we try to get it out. Okay, so then the latest one, were they always um, uh, virtual collabs or were you sort of bringing the the folks in? No, pre-COVID it was in person. (laughs) It was in person, okay. Uh, uh, But yeah, the last couple of years have been pretty much all virtual. Virtual, so they just ship you the ingredients from the origin type of thing from from whoever you. Yeah, want. we would do a couple of video calls, get on the same Z- Zoom collabs. Zoom collabs. Yeah. Hey, it's not uncommon. We should have had a whole series Zoom collabs. <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. Yeah, um, that's cool. And did you, is it like tell me to shut up? Is there any spoilers for this year that you can sort of tease, even if it's not the breweries themselves, but maybe some ingredients or anything? Um, I don't know, Matt. How much do you want to share? 
<laughs> you, you don't have to say anything to know. I just thought I'm testing. No, I, I don't really care, but <laughs> go, go for um, it. I could spoiler a couple of breweries. Um, uh, one we're doing, one with uh, Bellwoods. We're doing a local one. Nice. Then the first local. Maybe the first, first local Canadian one. Fantastic. That's um, great. That's a good look. Yeah. And then. I hear making me think. Um, and then one American one we're doing one with uh, Burial. So they're obviously nice. very known for their big Imperial Stouts. So, um, yeah, there's a couple teasers, I guess. <laughs> That'll do. That works. Okay, that's it. Yeah, I, I know a bunch of people who, like, every year make sure they get them and, you know, post about it and, and super excited about the, the, the packages and stuff. So it's cool. It's cool that this is going to continue to be a thing, even when – you weren't able to do it how you know you'd been uh, in the past. So it's um did you I guess they were virtual last year too, actually, now I think of it. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, at least you can still get the stuff, really. That's probably the most important thing is being that that's what yeah. you know needs you still able to sort of ship those things between uh between countries and stuff. So yeah, that's awesome, man. And be and they're interesting beers because the reality is even when you do it in person you're aging these over a long period of time. So um, there's no work. So it's not like, it's not like that brewer is there for every step of the process. There's a, you know, it's a trust factor and you're collaborating together on it. So um, the biggest thing you're missing is hanging with your friends and having some beers, but uh, you know, the, the creativity stays the same. I like that. I like that a lot. Speaking of the creativity, have you or are you planning on incorporating any of the distillery products with beer, whether it's this series or otherwise? Um, we've put a few, we've put some base beer refilling some of our rum barrels. Uh, I don't think we've really done anything with that beer quite yet, but it's not very much. It's like very tiny um, but I think the, the goal in the future would be to have enough barrels where we could do some bigger scale things, but we're not quite at that much spirit volume quite yet, but gotcha. um, yeah, we'll, we'll eventually get there. But well, with the gin? Well, we don't barrel age any of the gin yet. Um, so, That's probably true. They didn't go in the barrel. Didn't think of that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some people make barrel aged gins, but none of ours are. Um, other, the rum would be the the first one we'd do something with. Gotcha. Ooh. So there will be like some smaller scale release of something. <laughs> don't know when. I got to talk to Brett. I don't know where those are at right now. <laughs> That's cool. No, I love it. It's just cool, man. Oh, and the last thing we didn't touch on was the cannabis side of things. Yeah, that, that's been an interesting journey. We, uh, I don't know, Ryan, what year it was. We, we were like, right at, right around when cannabis was legalizing, we were like, okay, cannabis beverages. Let's see if we can figure that out. You know, we put our names in and, and did all the paperwork to license our space to make cannabis beverages, which turned out it was just really, it's impossible to have an alcohol facility and a cannabis beverage facility be the same. They need to separate church and state, which um, weird, not, not exactly sure why, but um, it's not to do with making the beverages. It's just, you know, good government stuff. Um, nice. But 
you know, we spent a crazy amount of time figuring out how to do these things, doing uh, efficacy trials in California because it wasn't legal to do those things here at the time, figuring out, because you're trying to take an oil-based substance and make it water-soluble, so you need an emulsion. Right. So looking at emulsion suppliers from everywhere, from California to Israel to BC and, and, and all over the world, and figuring out how to bring those best emulsion suppliers up into Canada. So it was, it's, it was a crazy journey. Uh, we started selling beverages finally in um june july last last year i think it was um and it's still a small category in the cannabis world but uh you know we've done well i think it's mainly because we take our idea of creating really elevated beverages and applied that and so you know ryan led the charge on 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 innovation um and we created a whole roster of of incredible drinks our, our number one selling is a blood orange and yuzu um so they're they're built like really cool cocktails and and i think everyone else went for sparkling water with flavor yes I and <laughs> um and that's like that's fine if you're if it's about getting it done you know i want to get high as quickly as i can but the reality is if you want to get high as quickly as you can smoke a joint like facts <laughs> you're right so if you want to enjoy the experience along the way, then make really great, great, great product. And I think um, uh, we've been become known for that. So it's a sister company. It's called Collective Project. Um, but yeah, we it's 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 been a fun journey for us, a long journey, but a fun journey. And it's I think that category is just getting started, and people are just getting comfortable with it right now. I think you go into dispensaries and it's people are really comfortable with their um, their own personal weed culture. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that are kind of curious that aren't really as comfortable going into a smoked glass dispensary. Yeah. And, but those are a lot of the people who are really excited about these beverages. And instead of having a glass of wine on a Wednesday night, you can have a five milligram THC beverage that's like, way less calories and just a way more uh chilling experience or you know or you know a different experience on a friday night um but they're starting to learn it and so i I think the category is going to hit that hockey stick and um um so yeah it's it's been it's been a wild ride to get to this point interesting i love kind of curious that's a great uh that's a great verbiage right there um well, there's so many people, especially as you get a little bit older, there's a stigma around cannabis for a yeah. lot of people, and that that well, you know, you, you it's okay to have alcohol around your kids, but you can't have cannabis around uh, around your kids or in a public place. But all of a sudden, you put it in a beverage, and it's now part of that social experience, mm. and it changes it changes the whole rules. And so it 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 will come fairly quickly, I think, over the next year or two. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. That's basically the only way I, uh, I haven't smoked since 2009, but uh, I've been eating and consuming since then. And I only discovered the beverages when it was legalized, whenever they brought it here. Cause the OCS has different stuff than the SQDC in Quebec. So we have access yeah. to some stuff. You guys, by the way, I don't know if you know, it's significantly cheaper in Ontario. Like I, I think about 30% 
more expensive wow. here for the exact same products. Um, yeah, I think Quebec's being a little more protectionist to some of the stuff they're doing there. And, okay. and yeah, beverage is like, beverage is highest degree of difficulty because A, making a beverage isn't that easy. Then you need to figure out how to add the cannabis and create the 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 stability and the efficacy of the product and have the right onset and offset of the experience. And taste good. It's a high it's really high degree of difficulty. So up until like full legalization in Canada, if you went to California or or Colorado, like those beverages were really bad in general. <laughs> like they, yeah. they didn't taste good. Mm. You either like you didn't know how much cannabis you were getting. Mm. A lot of it was falling out, and you weren't getting consistency. So it it took the legalization of Canada and real beverage companies getting into the space for actually good products to be made. So it's mm. it's 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 kind of still early days, and you know, it'll be interesting to see if and when the U.S. legalizes, you know, that will be a whole interesting journey as well. Change the game, yeah. You nailed it when you said, like, the one, I'm just thinking about the ones that I get because there's limited choice. I just try as many ones as I can. And I noticed that you are exactly right. There's sparkling water with a bit of flavor. It's all, you know, uh, natural flavors as opposed or artificial, whatever it is, as opposed to real uh, products. Sometimes it's cool, sometimes it's not so cool. You know, there's a couple that do, like, non-alcoholic beer styles that are fine, everything's fine. I haven't had anything that's ever blown my mind. I, I don't mind them, and you, you actually nailed the way that people drink them. And so I have them, I do another podcast with my brother and a friend, it's, uh, it's about hip hop music and stuff. So I always drink one of those during that podcast. And my girlfriend uses, she likes CBD, she doesn't like getting high, but she drinks the CBD ones and she'll mix them even just with gin, because she likes the mix. And obviously you don't get really high from the CBD, it's like a bit more relaxing. So it's become a, I think we always have a bunch of them in the fridge now. So it has been become a part of our lifestyle. And I imagine that, you know, like you said, we're just really at this real bottom part and, and the hockey sticks are about to happen to that, that uptake. And there's a big crossover between beer and, and, and cannabis. Yeah. And I th it's a learned experience, right? Because yeah. alcohol, we've learned from often way too young of age, like what does one 5% drink how does that affect us? And if we stack those, mm -hmm. we haven't learned that necessarily with cannabis beverages and everyone's had their bad edible experience Oh yeah, where it doesn't hit you for two hours and then you're waking up the next morning and still feeling <laughs> fucked up. So um, yeah, the great part about beverages is, is you, there's a relatively consistent experience. So you learn, what that's like and how much you, your tolerance is and what it's like if you stack it. And so then it becomes that much more approachable experience for you. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, you know, we, 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 we love it. And, um, it, but it's, it's no different than, than when we started in beer, you get one product in, you got to wait a while to get another product in. And, and for us, we have so many different ideas. It's, you know, our patience isn't always there of how long it'll take to get the, the range of taste profiles and the range of dose profiles and everything into the, into the stores. But we're, we're, we're getting there. I think we have four products now listed. At the OCS for people who want to get it. At OCS. Uh, we have some going out to Alberta, BC. 
Um, just found out we have two products now listed in Newfoundland. Um, I think but, we're talking about uh, Quebec, but Quebec has the milligram dosing. So some of our, like our most popular product, we couldn't, we couldn't sell there. We lose them. Yeah, I'm here. It's the, uh, sorry, let me just replace that. I'm going to add you guys back in. The camera died. So now back to the old <laughs> webcam. Okay, so there's, because when I buy in Quebec, there's on the, the website, right, it'll have a, um, you're only allowed to buy 30 milligrams per order. So like, I'll go and put a bunch of stuff in the cart, then you get there, then everything's in red and it'll be like X number of grams of 30. And then you got to go, okay, if I delete this one, is it still all in red? Yes. Okay, fuck. Now I'm going to get another one. So like. I have to put in order. So my girlfriend will get, she found one that she really likes. So I'll get all I can get is seven of those CBD drinks for her. Then I go and order like six, I think can I fit of mine because they're all THC drinks. So I can fit usually like six or seven of those. So then I'll have to do two different orders, pay for the shipping twice um, to come to, to be able to get those. And they have no gummies or any other types of edibles. It's oil sprays and, uh, and beverages, but in, Ontario, I ordered not that long ago for, for to her mom's house because we're trying to, to show her mom CBD. So I was like, oh, let me, let's get some shit for us. And they had a bunch of different drinks that we didn't have. They had gummies they had, and everything. Like she gets a CBD oil that's like $22 here and it's $14 there. And if you hmm. scale that up to some of the higher dose, that's like a 10 milligram, real, real low CBD uh, dose one. And as you go higher, I imagine that sort of economy of scale would continue. So it's kind of ridiculous the way that is and like what we're actually like how much they block you here and you don't have um i know it's like a plague in hamilton like uh, chris duran was telling me like the way that it all came about in in hamilton first before anywhere else in ontario and now you go to toronto and every corner there's a vape uh, sorry a uh, a cannabis store that's become this whole ordeal but the um you can't do that here it's just the sqdc government stores that's it so it's interesting yeah you know, that short drive, whatever, an hour to the border at least, and then everything changes and it's, it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's interesting. Ontario's always been a more regulated market than Quebec. Mm. It, it, you know, Quebec was always much more like all the dippiners selling beer and everything. So it's interesting that it's flipped. Kind of flipped, space. right? Yeah. And, and yeah. yeah, it's a little strange. So I hope you guys would are able to get out here because even that – the uh, flavors that I've noticed, this is just a small qualitative thing, that the flavors in the CBD drinks that you can get here are so much more interesting than the THC drinks. So that there's like, I guess it's the same, THC, both, and just CBD. So I think it's the THC maximum there is lower, right? It's only five milligrams. Five is where in Ontario, probably the highest. Where in Ontario, you can do 10. Okay. And that's like, it makes no sense. But like, why are the fun flavors like dragon fruit and shit only CBD, but you can't get any of those in, in THC. I'm like, man, probably the just the producers and what they make. Like right. I know talking to other producers, they, some of them tried to make the same product, but different for Quebec. And then it was a bit of a disaster. So I think some of them gave up on it. Okay. It's just because it has different rules for the dosage rates. So like, from what I know. And I do, but I do think the government's learning, like they, they applied a very like, um, cannabis 1.0 set of rules to cannabis 2.0, mm. the beverages. So, 
you like in Ontario currently you're only allowed to buy basically five depending on the size of the can five or six cans at a time okay so they do limit uh, they do limit you now they've recognized they just came out with something that I think allows you to buy up to like 48 but it's like I can buy a thousand milligrams of THC in a like in a oil Mm-hmm. But I can only buy fifty milligrams across five beer drinks. or five five drinks. Like it's That's made insane. no sense. So they have, yeah. they have acknowledged that, and so I think the limit is supposed to increase so that you don't have that that same uh, penalized view on the beverages. Hmm. Interesting. And I mean, like, okay, but if you think about it as well, I could go and load my car up with cases of beer, and no one's gonna say anything. And I no, could literally exactly. die from that, but we could have 48 cans of TAC or won't feel good for a few days, but we won't die. It's yeah. kind of ridiculous if you actually think about it. It should be the other way around. Not that I want them to yes. stop the amount of beer to buy, but you know what I'm saying? Like, It's just yeah. like, I'm just, like, yeah, it's like the legalization thing. Yeah. Has, yeah. I think the more markets that open up, then they'll create some form of logical, hopefully some form of common sense that surrounds it all. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. I love it though. It's a, it's a next, uh, it's a great next step that makes sense for, for you guys, for the business to, and for the brand to sort of move into that from now, you know, beer distilling and cannabis. It's just like all the you know, best things in life, I guess, you know, um, yeah, yeah we, we, we love creativity and we love trying new things. And we, we already talked about, we love the idea of the challenge of like not being able to export or like challenge, challenge the traditional borders that are set on us. So cannabis was just a natural extension for us. It's very cool. I really love it. No, man, look, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of everything you guys are doing. It's, it's really cool to actually get the, the, the story finally from you both and, to hear about what you're doing and, and how it all came together. This is, this is great. I hope it really painted the picture for everyone uh, watching and listening that maybe had been drinking your stuff for, you know, pushing a decade to 10 years next year. That's crazy. You know, and, and just seeing the way, you know, watching the growth of the company and, and the way that you guys have sort of, uh, you know, keep taking it to different levels and, and switching it up and keeping it interesting whilst never forgetting your original customers and, keeping the, the you know, newer beer drinkers in mind and you know, tapping into cannabis drinkers and people who like craft uh, um, you know, uh, liquor and things like that. It's, it's just really cool, man. I, I really applaud you guys for, for what you're doing and uh, just can, you know, and, and even building in the artists and the musicians. It's just it's very cool. I really respect everything you're doing, guys, so I appreciate your time. This is great. Uh, yeah, th- thanks Thank for having me. This was fun. This is dope. Um, I forgot. I should have done it before the camera died, but I guess it's not that serious. I'm going to take a, a, a screenshot for the thumbnail for uh, YouTube. Do you want to hold up some of the, the cans and bottle or whatever? Let's see if I can get three. I'm going to need you to do the face. No, you don't have to do the face. Matt, do the face. <laughs> do the face for me. Show me the face. Okay. The serious face. You guys are cracking me up. Um, fellas, where can everybody find uh, Collective Arts online? Uh, at, our, at our website. I think for those <laughs> in Ontario, there's you, the direct link is in Collective Arts Ontario, but it's Collective Arts, uh, 
collectiveartsbrewing.com is our our uh, our main site. Perfect. I believe it's Collective Brew on Instagram. Uh, yeah, that's our Instagram. I think that's our Twitter too. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of collective accounts because you got the Toronto one, uh, the projects, the distillery, and things like that. But they're all worth following because that will keep you up to date with what's going on. Um, yeah, we tried not to trip over each other. So yeah, there's a collective arts Ontario. That's everything that's happening locally and all the local beers are only available here in our local events. And then yeah, collective brews, our main channel and yeah. And then, and we have a collective distilling one and then, um, and then collective project. Love it. So make sure you guys go find them. Do you want people to find you guys at all individually or just stick to the brand? Uh, my Instagram got hacked a while back, so I'm dead. <laughs> Just letting it go. <laughs> I was sent him an I'm like, what the fuck? When did you get like really into crypto? I got really <laughs> into Bitcoin or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's usually the tell. That's the tell. Ryan's changed. Yeah. I was like, wow. Like, I wish I was. Thanks for the awesome. hot. Thanks for the hot tip, Ryan. I'm I'm going to buy that crypto right <laughs> now. <laughs> NFTs of all the beers. All of a sudden, yeah, people's yeah. making money. I love it. I'm just going to wrap this up. Stick around, and we'll, we'll wrap this up uh, offline. But, boys, thank you once again for uh, for the time. I really appreciate it. This was really enlightening, really great convo. I appreciate you both very much. Uh, everybody, thank you for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up, hit subscribe below, hit the notification bell so you know when the new year drops. Follow us on social media everywhere at BAOS Podcast. And now we're on TikTok, goddammit. We're with the kids. Check us out. Um, we drop these podcasts every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. So, uh, yeah, make sure you're following. Throw us a uh, – no, what is it? I want to go like this YouTube. Five stars. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Helps a ton. All right, y'all. Boys, thank you again. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks.